You've tuned in to another episode of the Adeptus Terror podcast, hosted by Sam, Matt, and Neil. Put your feet up and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to episode 93. Yes, you heard that right, 93. It's been two months, but we're not skipping a number. No. We do this properly. Absolutely. <laughs> Indeed. Road to 100, right? Indeed. We will get there eventually. It'll be like August next year at this point, but we will get there. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, yes. I mean, I have maybe. got a holiday at the end of August, so... No, 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 no. No more holidays. <laughs> no, not on recording dates, please. Um, but yes, anyway, I'm Matt. I'm Sam. I'm Neil. And we are here for another month uh, of hobby goodness. Now, there should be plenty more to talk about in our news from Terror, but uh... there, there's stuff there. We'll, we've got content, at least. Um, there's, there's a reason why podcasts don't happen sometimes, and normally it's because busyness, illness, and difficulty. So don't expect double the amount of hobby done because life has been life. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to our news from Terra, some, some bonus bits as always at the beginning of the podcast. Um, our next hobby hangout is the 31st of July, which this comes out just before. It does. Um, August. We should probably mention the August date because technically um that will be the next full month if you're not listening to this immediately on release so that will be the sunday the 28th of august maybe the 21st i mean, i think i'm away that weekend so it probably have to be the 21st no now who's on holiday Ooh. i am different I, i'll do you know what though i'll be here on the saturday the 20th which is the the correct date for recording it's already in the diary yeah but um Yes, I think I'm on holiday that weekend, so I will not be around to host a hangout. So unless Sam wants to pull double duty, we'll move it forward to the 21st. The 28th is the day that I go on. Oh, my sound is awful. What is going on? Uh, no, that's all right. That little tweak made a difference. There we go. So um, the I, do, I just feel like I'm not quieter, but there we go. Um, I'm actually away on the, from the 28th. Yeah, see? So see? I'll be there on the 21st. So uh, we will host the August Hangout on Sunday the 21st of August, which is nice because it's been a little while. Um, The 31st is technically like five weeks apart because it's that kind of month. Mm -hmm. So this one will be a little bit closer. So that's kind of cool. The Wednesday Hangouts have still been running. Uh, Me and Sam both jumped on last Wednesday, which was cool. Um, Surprised each other. I was like, what are you doing here? You were like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, yeah, true. I'd never make these. Um, I'm hoping to be able to make them a little bit more solid, at least for August. Yeah. Because um, Jenny and the boys are obviously around because it's summer holidays. So mm-hmm. I want to kind of try and put that that date in my calendar as me time. Yeah. Because all of my like my Thursday daytime before work is gone. Yeah. You know, like you know, time that I had to hobby or just space for myself has kind of will disappear. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to try and kind of earmark that so I can join those hangouts. Um, runs exactly like the monthly hangout. Um, it it's posted up. Mike does a great job getting the room up, and then people jump in and and hang out. And it's uh, got a usual crowd, but always like new people. So come and join us on a Wednesday night, as well as our monthly hangouts, which you will always get one, if not more, of us three there. 
Um, Wednesdays is like an extra if we can make it. I'm really excited that the hangout is next Sunday, not this Sunday. Yeah, because yeah. it gives me time for stuff to arrive, so then I can actually do more, <laughs> ah, more yes. hobbying on that day. Um, also, oh no, we don't talk about purchases. Well, I will definitely not be at this one as I'll be on holiday still. Indeed. You'll be uh, touching your clogs. Yes. Cool. Right. So before we get to news from Terra, the only other thing to talk about is burning of Hivani Prime. Update on the event that's coming up uh, feels very fast. Um, yes. Uh, everyone's almost kind of booked in now. We've got one space left, um, which if you're interested, there's still a space available. Please get in touch. Uh, the event pack is still available on our safe room. I think the link is available on Instagram. Yep. Or you can just email us at the Adeptus Terra podcast at gmail.com and we can send that to you as well. Um, check it out. Two days of gaming officially. Like we're, We've got open gaming on the Friday night. The official start is Saturday morning and it runs till just after lunchtime Sunday. And it's only a four game. Yeah, event. four game weekend to allow mm-hmm. people time to travel if they've got far to go. And the idea is Sunday afternoon after lunch, anyone that wants to stick around, there's another opportunity for a, a kind of final game. Yeah. Someone you haven't played or possibly one of us if we're alive by Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Neil will be, <laughs> Neil, Neil will be around. Um, so yeah, we're going to uh, see how that goes on. But I'm really looking forward to the event. There's still obviously lots to do. Um, the missions have been drafted, uh, which I need to go through with you two before we leave each other today which would be nice just to get the okay. And I can get them built into slides that will be up at the event so people can see them on a big screen, etc. Um, I also have started working on the beginning narrative of the campaign. So these are like the first shots of the, the war on Hivani Prime so that people have got kind of the story up until where we're going to start playing our games. Mm-hmm. And the story will develop through the weekend as it's a narrative gaming weekend. So I'm I'm hoping that that will be uh, uh, really fun and easy to write because writing lore is always a bit daunting. Um, so that will be going around to you guys for a proofread, certainly, hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, it feels very far off and close at the same time. It, it It's sufficiently far away because you think it's, what, like three months away? Yeah. Like, but that is, but when you look at three months being 90 days and how much um, board work you've got to do in 90 days. Yeah, board work, well, and just things like the missions is a big one. I'm glad yeah. I've got some work done on that and the, the, the law bit, they're the two biggest things. Yeah. I also need to look at finalizing the forms that will go out to people that they need to fill out and send back to us for like right. dietary requirements and mm-hmm. things. There's menus that will be designed after that. So there's, it's kind of like September really is where it's like, oh God. Now stuff yeah. needs to go. I, so I think to, everyone's lists need to be in some point in September. Yeah, I just need to write a 3K. I need to build and paint a 3K. Well, so that's honest. part of my problem. I'm like, I actually don't currently own a 3K force. Yeah, so it looks it, like it's going to be Neil then, like, Well, part of me goes, I'm, you know, if, I, if I've got a fully painted 2K force, playing a 2K game after playing a whole weekend of 3K isn't a bad thing either, especially as it's kind of like you're kind of semi-watching the clock because you need to pack down yep. or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it might you know we'll we'll have a certain size of force, yes. but I'm hoping to get a 3k of at least one of my legions ready, um, without skimping on a board because that's like the priority. Say, yeah, the board is um, board is top priority. Anything else is extra. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm still excited. I'm not I'm not overgone that that hill of fear yet. Still quite excited for the event. <laughs> As it gets closer, I'll get more and more scared. And then when it happens, it'll be like, yeah, this is great. 
the, the running of the event doesn't scare me. It's all this prep work before. Currently in the Cape Bush part of it, running up the hill. Yes, well done. I like, <laughs> I like the... Uh... It's almost been watching Stranger Things. There we go. She's made like ridiculous money I bet she has. Yeah, and I'm probably sure Metallica has. as well. Yeah, because she, yeah. she owns all of the rights as well. It's not even owned oh, by like MGM. Oh, wow. Or like that. She owns well all of the rights, her. all of the, yeah. um, the replay value. Very smart so I think, it's, I think it's something like 150 million. I think nice. it's like 150 million well in like two done, weeks. Kate Bush. Mm. So, talking about boards and the event uh, that is approaching, shall we move into news from Terra? Yeah, your guys' ones are much bigger than mine. Well, you say that. It look there's lots of notes on mine, right. but it's not necessarily a ton of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, I'll happily start us off. So okay. Sprue Corner, this is our build segment of our news from Terra. Um, I have been building uh, my board, which is MF nine four two, which is Mining Facility nine forty two, uh, on the world of Fivani Prime. Um, the theme is uh, kind of up in the mountains, the very top of the mountains. They're drilling for Prometheum. Um, lots of kind of they've kind of almost finished drilling and they're now just got big silos that are like siphoning all the Prometheum that's possible um, the way it's built is there's kind of a central hub with which I've used um, the ZM tiles the plastic ZM tiles as kind of the base middle and then I've cut out trenches that are for the workers to walk through so they're not on the um I guess ground level. Mm-hmm. The idea being that they're up in the mountains, it's freezing cold. Anything to provide cover from that is uh, going to be essential for their longer life. Yes. Um, and Hivani Prime is the kind of world that at least once cared about their workers, unlike most of the Imperium in 40k. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, putting some trenches in so the workers could, you know, go and uh, read the vitals of these silos or man man the drills. There will obviously be areas where they would have to go to the service, but these trenches just allow them to move between things without being exposed to the wind and the the elements as Mm. badly. Cool. So that's the design. Um, Quick run through of what I've got up to so far. So I marked out two inch by two inch squares. Um with tape measure and just drawing straight lines across the whole 6x4. I then cut my polystyrene sheet, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, 50 mil deep. Ah, uh, yes. Um, just a big thick one, um, into three 4x2 sections. Um, I did this using a um, kitchen bread knife, which worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was going to be awful, and it actually cut through really easily and, and followed the lines quite well. Um, I have then... After that, I tidied them up using a phone cutter. Yeah. Like heat. Can, I, I don't know the right term for these things. It's a bit like a soldering iron. That's, a, that's the best way I can think. Hot wire cutter. There you go. There Thank go. you. Um, I also use the hot wire cutter to cut the trenches out once I mark them on. Um, and then I have started to shape them so they're kind of angled like they've been dug out. Cool. Um, I plan to eventually kind of mod podge and pile up some some like rocks and things where you can see how the diggers kind of clawed it out of the the okay. trench and yep. made the trench could you use a um like a battery and a paper clip did it be did it work huh? you can do some very mad stuff, very crude yes they're, they're not insanely dear in terms of price so i'd just buy one that's made to do it maybe a car battery and a you know, car battery and paper yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, coat fine. hanger yeah, yeah, we've we got to up the big cut. No, 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 it has yeah. to be nice and thin, so it's got to be... Yeah, paper the, wire, the wire cut. Oh, um, f- what about fuse wire? Yeah, you know, the, the wire-resistant fuse, fuse, fuse wire, yeah, yeah, that would yeah. be good. 
yeah. we could do this maybe we could like, maybe we could start our own tool section so anyway um i uh, a lesson learned so this is a little thing that i learned i started gluing my um polystyrene boards to mdf mm-hmm. basing yep right mdf sheet in that cut four by twos yeah, yeah. um the first one, I, I just stuck down because I was like, right, let's get it down. You know, cut it into a four by two, stuck it on. Then cut the trenches. So much harder. Because <laughs> there's a base <laughs> that you can't cut through. Yep. And, and when you try and pull it off, I, I've stuck it down with uh, no more nails. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, which has worked really, really well. But then trying to pop out the bit that you've cut. It's no more nails to the MDF board. So you're like trying to, like, I, I think I ended up using like a butter knife that I just kind of got under and just popped it out so it didn't wreck the polystyrene around it. And it worked okay, but it was a real frustration. So did, the other two, I, did I cut them all first. Oh, good. Well done. Um, so that's not an issue. But yeah, the first one, that was a bit of a mistake, me trying to rush ahead, I think. Um, but yeah, I've got them all glued to their uh, MDF basing. Um, I created a ramp as well. Or like a loading mm-hmm. vehicle. Uh, I originally did want, and it might still happen, you never know, the um, container vehicle thing that they released for Necromunda. Yeah. But it's like over £100. Yeah. It is a big bit of kit and would be great for scenery, so it still might happen, but I don't know. I don't know. It seems like well overpriced. Like, I don't, I don't understand why it's that much, because it's what, one container in a vehicle, right? Because I think because it carries Necromunda's title and people who only by gangs go all right it's 110 pound but i only need one and it looks so cool they're gonna buy it yeah whereas yeah. if you're building a 40k army and you need four you're gonna be like well i'm not gonna pay that are you no i just it just what i don't get right is that the containers themselves are like what 30 quid for four containers yeah and i'm just trying to get the I price mean, up now. Yeah, could, you get other bits and pieces with it as well don't you but you could easily convert something it won't, it won't look as good. Though. No, no, I'm not even saying convert something, right? So, okay, so 35 quid, you get three containers and loads of scatter terrain, right? This vehicle has what? One container. Two. Has two containers. Yeah, the over 100 pounds is for the main tractor unit. Tractor unit, thank you. My brain was not in gear. And then one trailer. Right. But the trailer, you could easily make out the Sector Mechanicus uh, Galvanic Servo Haulers. Yeah. So that's 35 quid as well. That's 70 quid for a trailer, a small tractor, and three containers. Like, I don't get how they go, yeah, this is 100 quid. Mm. Uh, I didn't even think it was for two. I thought it was for one. No. So you can buy the trailers individually because you can have up to three, I think, in the rules. Right. Like three trailers and then the, the main That's tractor mental. unit. It seems so expensive. The main lorry or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's one trailer and the... Front unit. Find it oh, I'm in kilty. I'm going to find it there. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. But yeah, I, I would really love one, but I don't think that's going to particularly happen. I, in, in all honesty, I wouldn't waste your money on it, personally. I, yeah. I, 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 I probably don't have... The, well, I know I don't have the money to waste on it, so it's, it's probably a pipe dream anyway, especially for the event, at least. But it's something that I'd, I think I'd quite like to have. Sorry, Neil just wants to see it in two seconds. I just want to see the price. Oh, okay. So you can get it for 57 quid for the Ridge Hauler. Can you? Is that... Are you yeah, sure? That's, that's it, the Ridge Hauler. It's the Ridge Hauler yeah. with one container. The £100 one is for like when you get two trailers with it. 
You don't need two trailers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd like a trailer, but sixty pounds is much more doable. And it's got a, it's got a container, therefore a trailer. No, because that's the main body. Yeah, but you don't need an extra. I want to tow in something, but I could make a get a like a, a, a f- flatbed. You know what I mean? That can just be technically towed by it or whatever. Do you know what you could do? Is you could use the savannic, tyrannic, the thing I just said, the servo hauler. Yeah, the galvanic. That one, galvanic, which I've got. And then I've got all of your tracks from the um, yeah, Torox. Make a track thing. Make a track thing. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be so good. Yeah, yeah. So if you wanted one plus okay, the... Okay, that's something different. So £93 gets you the, the hauler plus yeah. one ridge trailer. Yes. So much money in it for basically yeah. nothing. Basically. Big bit of line of sight blocking terrain. Yeah. You think you've got two yeah. two tra- two containers on wheels, quite tall. Yeah, oh, no, we're I going think... we're going into the realms of my workplace. Can we stop yes. talking about this? Sorry, place? sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's that's as far as I've got with the board. Um, my next step really is to finish shaping the trenches. I've got a couple left to kind of cut at an angle, um, and then. Uh, paint the boards, tidy up any edges and stuff, and then it's kind of working out the terrain pieces because some of them I want like in the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the silos I want embedded in the ground, and then I will uh, use uh, Mod Podge. Have you got, have you got the silos? Mold. Sculptor mold, whatever. Sculptor mold. Have you got silos? N- no, I need. So this is this is where I've fallen short. Right. So I have a troll trader thing ready to go yep. and um, you can get vouchers for TT combat right. and they have a great silo set that I want to get right. and I'll have enough from the troll trader to get two of them based on the vouchers that they offer because they right. give you an extra 50% on top of the sale okay. if you get TT combat vouchers because troll trader own TT combat uh, so you get more for your money but you have to buy from them which is um which is great and something I'm going to do and I should have done about a month ago because <laughs> I've had the agreement. I just haven't pushed the button on yes, please, let's organise the date. That's all, literally all I need right, to do. Okay. And then once that gets sent to them, they check everything over, they'll give, send me the vouchers and then I can order those two sets, build them, put them in the board. and They'll, they'll take an hour to build. Like uh-huh. This MDF stuff is super easy. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I just need to get on doing it. Um, I'm just looking on TT Combat for it because I want the board to look quite flat mm. on the on the surface because these silos and containers are going to be the big line of sight blockers. So uh, also because it means I don't have to spend loads of time shaping and cutting out hills to glue down, and it's just easier for many many reasons. Yeah, uh, and quicker, frankly. Because um, there is a time limit on this, uh, so yeah. So once I get those in and embedded, and and I know exactly where everything's going, I can then chuck a load of stuff over the surface. You know, PVA glue, chuck a load of rocks and gravel and dirt and stuff all over it, so it looks realistic. Then spray it all, and then dry brush it all, and it's almost done. You know, and then it's just detail work. Cool. So the detail work I just plan to kind of work on. Um, up until the event. Yeah. And whatever detail's done is done. And is what done, isn't, yeah. I can do later on. About how I'm tempted to just get a load of dry dirt. Yeah. And just chuck that over the top on top of PVA. And then obviously seal it. And then paint it. <laughs> um, but that's just a way of getting natural looking bumpy ground. Mm-hmm. 
without having to buy a massive bag of stuff from someone who's pre-prepared it for 50 quid. I mean, at that point, you should probably do sand rather than dirt. Yeah. Because dirt would be, although easier accessible, I don't know, dirt I don't think would give the right texture. You need to find the right size yeah. of grain as well, though. That's yeah. the thing about sand, though. I don't want it, it, doesn't, I don't want it to look smooth. Sand doesn't look smooth. Sand does look very smooth. Very flat. Well, if you get like fine sand, but if you get like gritty sand, it's not. But again, you've got to think about scale. Yeah. That kind of thing. I, I got um, a bag from South End, a bag of gravel for my bases for my, my 30k. Um, and they had in there, they had loads, but they're basically there. It's block made to look like. Rather than yeah. actual, which is fine as long as it sticks down. Yeah, but then you, if you're going to paint it, yeah, like, you have to find the right color. Otherwise, you yeah. can't you can't paint it because the flock will just look crap. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Something I need to work on. I just need to watch a couple more videos again and just go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this looks good. How can I cost effectively do this? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, if I had the money, I'd just chuck money at it. To be honest, if I had the money, I'd just pay someone to build it for me. But <laughs> if I'm being very, very honest. But yeah, so I need to just kind of think ahead that way. Um, but yeah, that's literally all I've been building, just this board. I haven't had any models to build for so long now, which is a bit of a shame. Um, that will change with New Heresy, but I'm not at that point yet. No. So, um, so yeah, just working on the board and chipping away, as we say. Cool. Mm. That's fun. Go on, what oh. have you been doing? Oh, okay, cool. Right. Um, yeah, the last couple of months have been great. <laughs> uh, I got ambushed with a forklift training course, nice. two, a two-week instructor course, which I passed. Hooray! Well Hooray! done. I remember you being quite worried about that. So yeah. Well done. How big is the forklift? Uh, I can only go up to five ton. Well, it's five ton more than me and Matt I mean, can. Five uh, ton is a lot of weight. It is a lot of weight. <laughs> It's not the heaviest thing I can pick up, but that's uh, shuttles and all you that. Shouldn't talk about Matt that way. Just talking about his massive physique. <laughs> his massive physique that we've not heard about for ages. Um, so I've done that. Um, so I've not really had anything to do with uh, James Workshop stuff, really, in the grand scheme of things. Right. I did a blacksmithing course. Oh yeah, as well. So I actually... Wow, it has been a long time since we recorded. <laughs> made a knife. Did you bring the knife? I didn't bring the knife with me, no. But I did make a knife as well from scratch. Mm, it looks cool. Um, so I've kind of more worked on... Which makes you a real salamander now. Yes. Yeah, you've done the blacksmithing. I've done the blacksmithing, yes. Now you've so just got to chuck yourself in a volcano and you're fine. Uh, well, does quenching and having the flames go up near your gloved hand count? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, so it's yeah, it's just basically been working on the board a little bit. Um, I've polystyrene sheets uh, all glued down, so it's had double, they're at double thickness now. So instead of getting one fifty mil sheet, I got two twenty five mil sheets, so I can then work on sort of like reinforcing the outsides of them, so that when we do mm. use them, they don't get absolutely trashed. Yes, Matt. Yeah, sorry, and. Um- I just I have an extra, so I had to order my sheet in an eight by four. Right. So I have a four by two spare at fifty mil. I have no plans for it. If you would like it for making any extra hills or any extra stuff, because it's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's available. If not, my other option was potentially handing it to you to see if you wanted to build something, or 
offering surfaces of Liam and paying him in polystyrene. <laughs> I mean, Liam is pretty cheap. I think that I think he would quite like a four by two full on thick yeah. polystyrene thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I can go, hey, help me because I don't know how to do this bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bring, bring your hodgepodge. Yeah, yeah. Go to his dungeon. Come, come and help me. Dr. Mold. Dr. Mold. I don't care. Is it, is the, same, is it the same thing as no. hodgepodge? Hodgepodge, hodgepodge is glue. Oh. Well, it's all the same. Yeah, chuck it down. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> all looks the same with flock on top. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's... They're all set up, ready to go. I've used... Um, Gorilla Glue. The expanding foam stuff oh yeah yeah yeah. because in that way when i do actually come to making landforms with a blowtorch uh oh. it'll go through that glue as well are you gonna do that outside please tell me you're gonna do that outside no i was gonna do it in a really Small really room. enclosed yeah. box Mate, room using the the um wire cutter a few of the fumes occasionally i was like i need to make sure this door is really open <laughs> yeah no it's um it will be it will be done outside um yeah, I'm not going to be doing that in the box room. There's no room in the box room for that. Okay, good. I just worry that one day we're just not going to hear from you, which is quite normal, but like for a longer period of time. Than <laughs> and then it's, we're just going to get like a, a really awkward message, but like, yeah, Neil's dead. Yeah, he passed out and never woke up again. Uh, he singed his eyebrows <laughs> off while he passed out. Singed his eyebrows off. Becoming a true salamander. <laughs> it's got burnt. Um, um, and I ordered on the recommendation of... Uh, Mr. Faust, Ooh. I ordered an aquarium tree made out of resin just okay. for, for an idea of sizing. So it's like a, a fallen over tree that's cool. yeah, yeah. cored out effectively. Okay. Um, made of resin. Made of resin. Oh. And it's the right size. Okay. It's big enough that you can actually put, or near enough, put a marine inside it. That's cool. So. That's the kind of... How are you going to make that standing up, though? Oh, it's not going to be standing up. This one, this one is going yeah, to be... Yeah, I know that one yeah. is, but you need them standing up. Hear me out here, right? What you could do is get the down Thunderhawk tile. Yep. Have that at one end of your board and have two or three of these down resin trees to make it look like the Thunderhawk has taken the trees out as it's come down. You still get your redwoods without having to do the weird pointy uppy bits. And then I don't care about Star Wars. But then this table will not be known as... Sector O B one one. <laughs> it can be Obi one. Just replace the the th- down thunder no, hawk with. A... It's found in the forest of Doran. Indeed, it is found on, in the... on uh, the Hibani okay. Prime. The... But this could that could work, and then you don't have to worry about the trees if you're really struggling I with the trees. Cannot afford to buy a crashed Thunderhawk tile. It also doesn't soon. exist, so it's now like triple. The worst part is you'd have to get the Thunderhawk tile and then cut it out. Cut it off, and yeah, then like sand they did the on the uh, 30k channel. Which I'd love to do. That'd be so Yes. Good. Yeah, I, I genuinely thought about it a couple of times. Again, mm. if I was in a different financial spot, that would have probably already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Not down Thunderhawk then. No. Um, but yeah, so I've got, still got work on having a bunch of standing upright. up trees upright redwoods that are of varying thicknesses to mm. indicate growth. Yeah. Um, are you going to get a couple more of these fallen ones and have an area that's been kind of totaled or just having a couple or are you just, just having, going just this one? I don't know yet. It's, yeah. it's more of a... See just how seeing how, how in love you were with it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for building. Awesome. Cool. Uh, my building, um, I actually honestly can't remember the last time that I sort of talked about building. So 
I've built an Aurochs. I don't remember if that was in the episode or not before. No, I don't think it was. Okay, cool. So I built Enlighten an Aurochs. That's the 30k Chimera. It looks a bit like a rhino and a Chimera had a baby. Oh, and it's called an Aurochs. And they're, um, yeah, it's a forge world vehicle. I, I am using Chimeras currently for my solar auxilia because I couldn't afford the Auroxes. It's like 70 quid a model. Um, stupid. Well, is... it's, it's just, it's a, it's a jumped up rhino, really. Yeah. That yeah, is the I'm problem sorry. with this hobby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I built an Aurox, which actually together went together surprisingly well. Mm, they look really good. I saw it in your cupboard. It's in the cupboard. Um, so it went together surprisingly well. Um, and then I also built the uh, Librarian. Which I didn't even know you had. Which I got at the Horus Heresy Open Day. So this is the event librarian where he's doing some conjury spells and he's got all the smoke Forge World Terminator librarian. Oh, this is one you got from when you went away and hobnobbed with all the stars. Yes, yeah. all of those famous people. All the ones that got um, booted out screwed, booted out and in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so I built him. Um, again, he's not in my Alpha Legion. So I, You just forgot he existed. No, I didn't forget he existed. It's just, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't really see them being used in Alpha Legion. I see them more. A in librarian ranges. does bring a bunch of um, extra unwanted attention, shall we say? Exactly. So I, I do feel like, especially one with a giant plume of smoke coming yeah, out. Of his you hands. could you could use him in like a ZM boss. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like a lot of the um, HQs that were not allowed to be compulsory, most have lost that rule. Okay. So librarian could, I think, like lead a force. Yeah, that could be so, cool. You know, just taking him so you can play with with it and paint him in Alpha Legion and just have him leading the headhunters and stuff. The reason he's leading is because you're infiltrating a spaceship and you want to kill the navigator or catch the navigator in a cycle yeah. is the best way to do that. Makes sense. I know, you can easily come up with why he's leading the force mm. for an Alpha Legion force. Indeed. But also, he is Alpharius. He is, is he though? Is he? Well, he is. He probably gives that away if he uh, starts going, woo. Alpharius could have been lightning. psychic. Exactly. Um, I think every Primarch's got some kind of psychic power now. Apart from, um, what's his name? Dawn. He's got too much of a stick up his butt to be psychic. True. Um, so I built them too. And then what I've been focusing on is um, writing my list for 30k. So writing my Alpha Legion list, which I, uh, we will go through actually. Playing um, the game. Playing the game. We'll yeah. go through that. Um, so I've just started building the Horus Heresy box. I've got the Horus Heresy box. Uh-huh. The Horus Heresy box. Um, so, so far I've built um, one 10-man hack squad. Okay. How was it? So the, the sprue is a five-man sprue, uh-huh. which they give you eight times. Yes. Yep. So five, they match. Which As attack marines, that's fine. Which doesn't matter. Which yeah. to me, it doesn't matter. Um, now, I'm using that attack squad, which kind of goes into the list part. Um, I'm using two of that, two of that, two 10-man squads mm-hmm. as attack squads, and yep. then two 10-man squads as headhunters, uh-huh. um, which make the 40. Uh, and also... A ten-man squad, which I don't have, which um, as a uh, heavy weapons team. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily bother me that they all look the same because they won't be the same unit. They'll have yeah. different guns on them, etc., yeah, etc. Et and to be honest, it's Alpha Legion, right? They're all meant to look the same. I, I think it actually goes really well with an Alpha Legion theme when everything looks very mono. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, they, they went together really well. Um, I built the um, the choppy chop boy. The choppy chop boy. You know the one with the big axe? 
Yeah. So I choppy chopped. Oh, the Praetor. The Praetor. So I built him, but then choppy chopped off his axe and then put on a thunder hammer. <laughs> what have you done with the axe head? <laughs> choppy uh, chopped it off. I think I threw it away. Oh. No, I'm joking. It's in the box up there. Do you want it? Well, because <laughs> Night Lords have this uh, cool weapon called a headsman's axe. Right. And that's a pretty cool big axe head. Yeah, so you'll need to... Um, yeah, you could you could put, easily Does put that Matt on a... need to find a shaft for it? <laughs> yeah, you that's really fine. Find a shaft for it. Actually, to be honest, you could use the axe one that I used. The, 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 the shaft from the, um, from the uh, Thunderhammer. Is it a long yeah. shaft? Because it, it, it is long. It is really long. So yeah. it would make sense. So anyway, yeah, it's up there. I'll get it to you before you leave. Um, so, I, um, so I built Excited. him. So I built him. Um, and he went together really, really well. I really didn't want to use his, his cloak, uh-huh. but they've done something really stupid where they've basically taken out away half of his shoulder pad oh, right. to have a cloak there. So I've had to use the cloak, which I just don't really like capes. No capes. Exactly. Like I just, but it's not that bad because I, I'm going to paint it chameleonic kind of styly, hopefully, so that it means that at least it will kind of work for him. Because it is a because I was like, oh great, if it's clear, like just flat, then I can paint it that way. But it's not; it's got like little embellished bits on it. So I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll just won't paint them, and I'll, I'll dry brush it grey to make it. Because my my basing scheme is going to be grey, like stone, okay, yeah, and and um little dead tufts of grass. Because I want to go quite plain for the basing. Okay, cool. Um, because Alpha Legion, and um, which is great because you can just say that for anything you say. Yeah, just people, just because Alpha, Alpha Legion. Alpha Legion. Um, argue so, with me. <laughs> so they're gonna so they're gonna be quite plain. So I can. I'm going to paint it up grey. And then I was sitting down. I know we don't normally talk about purchases, but I was purchasing last night, um, which basically means I've got... Um, I picked up the power axes and Volkite chargers for my Linnaean Terminators that I'm going to make using the box set. Um, I'm going to use the... I'm going to try and use the guns from the Terminators from the box set as my headhunter guns because I don't want to pay something like are, 60 quid. Are the hands attached... To the bolters, because I haven't actually looked at inside they are, the box yet. They are attached to the bolters. Right, okay. Um, so I, well, so I was thinking about this before. The, the bolters, the, the, the terminated bolters are in two halves. Right. So, but the second half, the outside half has the, um, the, the magazine barrel yes. thing underneath it. So what I was thinking is just take the outer half and just stick it to the inner half. So that I'd use the same gun still, but it's just the outer part of the Terminator guns. So I get the the barrel and all the right, nice okay. stuff that so looks oh, like okay. too. So it I, looks like a combi weapon. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gone gone out there and I haven't looked at it properly. Um, so to, it'd probably be a more gap filling than you think. Exactly. So worst comes to worst, I'll make it work without the hands mm-hmm. and I'll figure it out. Um, but it means that I'll have those because the the, the bolters that I've gone with, I haven't gone for combi like combi melter combi whatever i've just gone with the combi these are the bane strike guys right the bane strike guys and yeah. so, so what they get is they get um rapid fire twin linked right so having the two having the two barrels to me makes more sense yeah so when i saw the terminators i was like yeah man that could work and i'm not using the terminator yeah it's like just general storm bolter kind of design yeah exactly because there, there aren't really that many um kind of bolter options out there that would work mm-hmm. um Someone suggested, and I actually think it's a good idea, if it doesn't work with the Linnaean ones, um, Anvil Industries sell round magazine, round yeah. magazines. Right. I was just going to get those, lop off the magazines from the guns and then stick those on so that at yeah. least they look a bit more... A little bit different. A little yeah. bit different. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah well, you can also buy like um, red dot scopes and things like that. Yeah. I've thought about doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to make them look a bit different because ultimately, Alpha Legion, so I don't want them to look too different. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to go and spend, what was it, like bloody... Uh, like 60 quid on on the upgrade set for, yeah for, for five for five it's, yeah, it's just it's just stupidly when priced. you need four of those <laughs> oh no i need 20 
That's what I mean. So you'd need four sets of five. Oh, oh, sorry. Maths. Yes. Apologies. Maths is hard. Maths <laughs> is hard. Um, yes. Yeah, so if I wanted to get the upgrade set, because I was like, oh, maybe I'll just get the upgrade heads and have them slightly yeah. different that way. But no, nah, it's like 32 quid for five, which is torsos, heads, shoulder pads, yeah. and bolt guns. But you can buy alpha heads, can't you? <clears throat> you can. You can. How much? They'll come in tens. They'll come in tens, but they're still 15 quid, which I'm not that bothered. Yeah, I, again, the, the uniformity is nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, for that Legion specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't really want to pay, what, 64 quid per 10-man squad, so 128 quid on guns for yeah. my headhunters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not doing that. That's that's stupid. If it was like the whole squad, yeah, like yeah. say you've got the legs and the torsos as well, sorry, the legs and the arms. Like a unit. Because you don't, you, you get unit. shoulder pads, heads, torso, guns. You don't get arms, you don't get legs. How hard would it be for them just to whack legs and arms in? Like for then actually, because I wouldn't mind paying 32 quid for a f- for five guys. I mean, yeah, but the five-man suzerain squad is 75 pounds. It's mental. It's so stupid. Mm, yeah. um, but anyway, so, like, so I'm going to make one squad of he- headhunters um, uh-huh. out of those. And then um, I've, I've also ordered the Volkite Culverins, but I have to order three packs of those because I've got a 10-man squad. And then I minor name terminators. Yeah, they come in five. Oh, because you need minor a name terminators have two, one each in each squad. Yeah. So I'm gonna have like three spare, which isn't a bad thing. Always having the spare, I can sit in a box, and then someone goes, "Hey, I need this," and I've got them. Um, but yeah, so then out of all of that, once it's all done, I'll have like two thousand points worth of um, Alpha Legion built. That so means I can actually yeah, start gaming, start while, playing while with two thousand points. And two K, I think, is actually a good level. Looking at because the rules haven't changed in terms of, you know, like once you know your movements, you know your movements. Mm. Like it's very similar in terms of our previous edition. Yeah. yeah. So I think playing at 2K isn't going to feel completely like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. yeah. You get things wrong and stuff, but you will at a thousand points. Yeah. yeah. But at least you get to play a full game. Yeah. Um, I think it's just and, and, and adding it's, an extra hour or two for taking it slow it's yeah. quite it's quite balanced so in the the list that i'd have i'd have dynat that i paid myself i'd have the two two five-man terminator squads i'll have a squad of headhunters i have an exodus who's gonna go for my reconnaissance squad that i've already got um i'll have a tax squad a contempt and a heavy support squad so it is it's not like all of my headhunters are done and nothing mm. else so it will be fairly balanced and then building on top of that is mainly just vehicles um, yes and a few more individual squads which i can do uh-huh. It'll be fun. Cool. It'll be fun. That's very cool. Cool. Um, on to the painting. Yep. Yeah, I can't say that I've painted anything personally. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I actually that's a lie. I've test painted one model for my Alpha Legion. Um, I not really test painted it. I basically ha- I brushed. I brush worked on the silver and the blue that I've, I've bought. Just to see if it looks right. Just to see. And I'm happy with the blue. I think I'm going to go with... So the scheme that I'm going with is um, a dark silver with a highlight of um, brighter silver and then the uh, harrowing. Is it the harrowing? Is that what they call it? No, it's something right. else. Anyway, the contrast, blue, right? The contrast paint over the top to give it the blue sh- shine. Now, I'm going to go darker because originally I was using lead belcher and stormhost silver, I think it is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go darker than that and okay. use the lead belcher as my highlight. They're not going to look too blue. No, because they're going to look, they'll look very, very dark blue. Yeah. Hopefully. That's like, like towards Night Lords kind of colours? No, because like, it is a green like, tinge. I, yeah, that's the, the blue. I want to see the blue to know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's fine. I, 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 I'm going to, once I build a lot more, like my plan is today, 
and then on the hangout next week and then in the next week i'm going to build try and build that all of that 2000 points yeah, yeah, yeah. and then because I, I feel with with it i'm going to need to paint it all at once or paint yeah. the majority of it all at once yeah. to get the right colors yeah i mean yeah a batch paint of the silver especially your base silvers well even the highlight just knock that all out in one go yeah. you've got a bunch of silver guys Exactly. And then you go, right, now, contrast over all of them. Well, I'm going to airbrush on the contrast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's funsies. But that's what I mean. Yeah. You just contrast over all of them. Yeah. It's and just, then it's just detail work, which yeah. I'm quite excited about. Which you can do squad by squad, and it won't feel as painful. No, no, no. So hopefully, by next month, fully painted 2,000 points. I mean, it'd be amazing. I am pretty amazing. Uh, I've got a full 2,000 point painted force, but that's just because I already had it. Cool. <laughs> 2,000 point games then next, next uh, month. Yeah, and it'll be my ultras as well. So it's Loyalist Traitors, which feels right. And then we have whatever Salamanders are. Loyalists. The, the most loyals. The loyal of the loyal. Yes. Alpha Legion are loyal. Mm. Because oh, Alpha. Who are they? Who are they? Mustache <laughs> twist. Mustache Alpha twist. Legion. Because <laughs> um, Alpha Legion. Cool. Well, painting for me, um, I realized obviously there was a hangout coming up. And I was like, I need to do this. This is for June. Obviously, July, you're hosting. Yep. So I had a June that I was hosting, and I was like, I don't have anything to paint. This oh. is very early days of, like, I, I think I'd only just got a rule book, which a bunch of people um, clubbed together and, and got for me, which was amazing. I, I'm still getting around to saying thank you to them all, because um, it's been a bit of a month. But, uh, yeah, that's, that was amazing. So making lists and stuff and learning the rules were very, very early days. So doing anything Legion-based was uh, no, not going to happen. So I sprayed up, um, I said some Tyranids. I, my plan was some Tyranids, but I run out of the paint quicker. So I found an army painter bone. Uh, okay. Um, and, and a brown, but they were both quite low. So I went, you know what? I'm going to try this because I want, I'm working on that new scheme that I came up with in the three paint mm -hmm. challenge. So I sprayed my flying hive tyrant. Um, I did the, the, him brown all over. Yep. And then I um, went in with, it's still a uh, rattle can. Yep. Um, but this is really just to kind of see how easy it was. And uh, went over in bone over the main kind of body and legs mm -hmm. and stuff. And obviously there's some splash over. It's a yep. spray can. It's not, you know, supposed to be easy, clean work. Um, it's something that I will do with an airbrush because it will just save so much time after the fact. Mm -hmm. But I did that ready for the hangout. And then on the hangout, I touched up all the edges of the brown armor and the, the bone carapace. I then washed the entire model in a brown. I can't remember if it was, uh, I've got it written down, so I don't forget, but I can't remember if it was uh, sepia or earthshade. Can't oh, okay. I can't remember what level of brown I went for, <laughs> but uh, I washed the entire model with that. I then dry brushed the bone back up. So, uh -huh. it's, so it's, um, uh, highlighted and that really kind of helped with that final finish on that area. Um, I then painted the Incubi Darkness base for the wings. The wings are going to be kind of a bluey green okay. tinge, yeah. which kind of, after our color wheel chat, yeah. I looked at the color wheel and I was like, okay, brown bone, what's kind of roughly mm. over the other side. And it's kind of a, a tearly kind of color. Cool. So I'm going the dark, uh, the dark elder Incubi Darkness, mm -hmm. Sybarite green, I think it's called, I don't know, there's two different highlight yeah, colors, yeah, so they're yeah. just going to get dry brushed on and worked on the wings. Um, and I think that'll look quite well. Uh, once that's done, other than the kind of edging on the armor and the details of like the vents, eyes, tongue, mm -hmm. teeth, it's, it's done. So it's cool. quite a quick scheme. 
Um, and I'm happy with where it's at right now. Looking at it, I'm like, okay, I could do this for an army. Um, and I think I prefer it to my original design, which is nice. Cool. So it kind of confirms that that's the way I want to take the Tyranids. Um, so yeah, for something that I was like, oh God, I need something to paint quickly, spray up this. It actually has kind of made me go, oh, this is something I can work on um, as and when I can. Hangouts probably will be like when I paint the Tyranids mm-hmm. because right now I'm still making lists and going to need to buy and build new heresy stuff. Uh, so that's like a building thing. And then the board is going to be any other time. But working on a board while on a hangout just doesn't really work. The space and I just keep leaving the call and coming back and, you know, um, too much hassle. Yeah, so fair enough. Something on a desk is so much easier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's been me. Cool. Um, more than I thought originally, but the, the hangout kind of forced me to get something done, which I'm... Yeah. Another reason why the hangout's good, yep. to be honest. 100%. Cool. Um, as for me, it wasn't anything really exciting. Just put some primer on some bits, and I can't even remember what those bits are now. <laughs> That's how exciting it was. Probably Tau. Possibly. I really or don't remember. It could be some of your Primaris stuff. I... No, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, this is two months worth yeah. of, uh, of stuff, so stuff flies out the, ear, the one ear and out the other kind of thing. Indeed. Games? Games. Yeah, playing the game. So um, I've technically played four games of Heresy point zero one or whatever the hell we call in the old edition. Heresy 1. 1. Yeah, I don't. I still don't like Heresy two point personally, but it is what it is. Um, so we organised a, um, a stag. Day, I guess, for Simon, our good friend, who had a uh, weekend long of kind of stag events. And mm-hmm. me and Sam kind of uh, hosted and helped organize the Heresy Day. Um, uh, hosted here at your house with three gaming tables, played on four by twos um, with a quick kind of round robin 500 point four games over the day. Yeah. So it's really about just kind of socializing and, and doing something Simon enjoys and just having a bit of a laugh. So the way we did that is we basically said you had to have one HQ, one troop, and then the rest was allied detachment limitations. So you could bring either one other troop or elite, fast, heavy. Um, inventory only as well, because we were worried that Dreadnoughts would kind of swing that mm-hmm. a bit too heavily. Um, and just kind of went for it. Now, me and Sam weren't planning to play. Um, Sam didn't uh, play. He kind of TO'd and just hung out and chatted to people which was my plan for the day as well but um someone couldn't come in the end they uh, from i can't remember why so i ended up playing my ultramarines which mm-hmm. was 10 breaches just regular breaches um five suzerains and a chaplain um and yeah i mean i it, i don't think it's worth particularly talking about the games because it was just quick down and dirty most people either got tabled or tabled someone because it's 500 points like two maybe three units yeah um uh but yeah i had some some fun games some nothing games in amongst those just kind of run at each other kill you either won by dice rolls or lost by dice rolls and one or two kind of fun moments i played my suzerains much more aggressively than i normally do and they didn't disappoint which was really nice now they're obviously a bit different in heresy 2.0 so it'll be interesting to see if that still has the same effect Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was probably a highlight for me. Just charging in suzerains into any combat I could, 
and they did work, yeah. which was really kind of fun. Um, Used to work. Yeah, I yeah. mean, again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. It was a nice, in a weird way, send-off of, of 1.0 that I wasn't expecting. I thought Company of Legends was going to be that. And then, um, and then this kind of gaming day was a nice kind of like, oh, cool, it's done. I will say that my buzz for playing that edition had already died. Heresy 2.0 was in my hands and I was ready and I'm, I was deep into making lists at this point. Um, and I was just like, I just want to play 2.0. But we had a bunch of people that are like don't normally play or haven't mm-hmm. played in a long time, or so we stuck to 1.0 because that was the, kind of the common denominator of most people yeah. had played that edition. Yeah. Um, so we we stuck with that, and yeah, it was a nice little send off. Um, yeah, that was that was my day of of, of gaming, really. Yeah. Um, Neil, do you want to talk about your Ali's list? Um, so, let's see, I was at the uh, the the stag weekend as well. Um, and I've also had four games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most enjoyable one I actually had was against Simon because we literally ah, cool. just went towards each other. Yes. And I managed to tie up two squads of his uh, World Eaters mm. in combat for about four turns with the Pyro class. That's really good. That's uh, really good. Yeah, I played Simon and my Suzerains went in and murdered one unit. Yeah. But then both his other units charged them and murdered them. Yeah. The other units realized what was going on. Yeah. 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 And I was oh. like, oh. <laughs> and, and then at that point, I just had 10 breaches who were kind of like, might as well have just yeah. been pissing in the wind. <laughs> like, it was yeah. just pointless at that point. But yeah, it was a fun skirmish in the middle. Yeah. It, it was. The... That's impressive. Four turns. Four turns of combat wow. with the pyroclasts. That's nice. Um, they had the Centurion with them. And then the s- tactical squad just went off and tried to get the objective, but yeah. failed miserably. They're a 10-man tax squad. They're a 10-man yeah, tax yeah. squad against a uh, 10-man... No, it was actually a 12-man tax squad against um, a bunch of World Eaters. Yeah. They're not going to win. No, the World Eaters were, again, I don't know what they are in this edition, but were absolutely disgusting. The yes. way you could kit out your tax squads was just brutal. Yeah, oh, horrendous um, but I, I never found anyone going tax squad for tax squad no. like variants and having any chance no they were they were they, it was it was just it was just good it was like oh this is what the game should be mm. um potentially uh i don't like a thousand suns especially mm. at 500 points they're not nice oh yeah <laughs> again i i have said this a number of times <laughs> thousand suns are disgusting yes Yes, yeah. They now have to pay for their psychic abilities. Oh, okay. Which is good. Which is So I you think... have to upgrade them to be part of the different... Um, Corvidays. Yeah, Corvidays and stuff. It's barely a difference, but it is a little bit of a difference. Fair enough. It means there's less of them on the board, in theory, over like a 3,000 point force. Yeah. So I'm fine with that. But I, I'd be interested to see how powerful they are now. Like, because Psyker was always or psychic the psychic phase was always really king when you mm. had it like it, what, what i found in the last edition was either like me you ignore the psychic phase because you don't yeah, have it psychic, doesn't what doesn't is the psychic phase exactly exactly or you go the other way and you're like demon the rune store this is everything or yeah. thousand suns or some yeah. limited edition uh a limited parts the word word bearers um but it's everything to them and their army 
is That's junk without phase. without them yeah. basically. It's like a traditional guard force, right? Like their their one phase is the shooting phase. Yeah. Because there's a, a hundred las guns and a bunch of tanks. Or the, or the orders phase, like yeah, in in 40k, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it, it, it felt like that was kind of the the thing. Yeah, because it's like that's when you can do your second rank fire. Yeah, yeah, first yeah. rank fire, second rank fire, or the bring it down. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I agree, and and so I'm I'm interested to see like we've not had much exposure to to second in terms of locally like playing, um, but I'm interested to see how second edition. Or two, whatever we're calling it, mm. um, how that kind of happens and you know, whether it goes. Do you know what I think way. it might do? It might change people's opinion of them because, again, like what would happen is you get to the psychic phase and they'd be like, "I've got twenty-eight dice, you've got three and you'd be like, yeah. "Well, I can't do anything." And yeah, you're just that, is, do like... that is the big. Whereas now it's like movement phase. Oh, this guy's going to do a power. This guy's going to do a power. Right, let's move on. So you're not going to see it as much of a, a bigger threat, I guess. Yeah. It'll still maybe buff them just as hard, but you won't notice it as mm. much. Also, I was reading the Psychic Powers because I'm planning on bringing a librarian. I still want to do that, but they are so much weaker than they used to be. Yeah. Like things like plus three toughness, stones, <sighs> like all that's gone. Good. Which is like, good. It's much good. more reasonable. There's still very strong ones in there, yeah, yeah. but they're yeah, but they nowhere near strong. that. They're, they're nowhere near that level. I, I think it's just when you've got so you won't you won't get a toughness ten Magnus anymore. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. That was the thing for me was when you've got a Primarch giving himself plus three toughness, like plus, plus three strength, plus three strength, plus three initiative, plus three attack. Yeah, it was just like this is just mental. Just yeah. make him that strong if yeah, that's yeah. what they because no one's not going to yeah. run it that well, way. Well, now there's I didn't even know this, but there's two versions of Horus. Yeah, there's Horus Ascendant. It's a thousand points, and he is. Basically, what I think they've gone, hey, if you want a precursor to the rules we're going to bring out for the Emperor, yeah. here they are, because you can't make him too weak where the Emperor just bit slaps him, but you also can't make, like, it works the other way around. So yeah. if you want to know what rough rules you're going to see for an, the Emperor, which, I, which I, I'm guessing they're going to do. If like, they do it. Why, if, why do a Horus Ascendant and not plan to do that? If they do him, I'll, I'll, buy, I'll buy him. And I'll put him in a glass box. And it'd be great. He's going to have yeah. a golden face. He's going to have a golden I face. I think, do you know what? I think that is one of the only models that most people who aren't that way inclined will do. Yeah. Because it is the Emperor. Yeah. 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 Indeed. Um, um, get, is that everything you want to talk about your games? No, 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 no. I don't ever really want to play 500 point games again. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, so I, I I played one a game with a new edition and it was at 500 points with uh, Chris against his word bearers in oh, yeah. Blood Angels. Um, I I agree. I think 500 points isn't enough to isn't isn't enough to get a lot of stuff in that can deal with other things. Yeah. So like you either go super um, not OP, but you go super strong units like like your pyro class are strong. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah they are even more so now. Whereas in my 500 yeah. points that I wrote for Ben, who also played in that event, was um, two 10-man assault squads and a chaplain. And yeah. There's no flavor of the Legion there, is there? There's really? no flavor of the Legion. No, you can't really get it in. That's, I think, if you're going to do 500 points now, especially right now with the start of 2.0, I think you have to be that prescribed, though. You're like Your options are one centurion of any type, you can try out the psychic powers or you can get a chaplain for some re-rolls. Yeah. Whatever you fancy for your legion, whatever. Yeah. And then you must bring one tax squad and one tax squad 
assault squad, recon squad, any of the other troops, yeah. right? Yeah. And that is it. You cannot bring anything else. Yeah. And then you have a balanced game to learn rules. Yeah. It won't, be, it won't be fun and flavorful. No. But it will be fun for learning rules. Because in my... That's the only way I'd do it now. Because in my 500 point list I played against Chris, I brought attack squad and a destroyer squad. The yeah. Blood Angel destroyer squad. And then a Praetor, I think. Maybe a Praetor. Maybe it wasn't a Praetor. Anyway. So, not a lot, really. Yeah. And he just brought like, I think it was like three attack squads. And yeah. he absolutely kicked me because he had just overwhelming firepower. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was good. I... I, I, I I feel that for learning games, for the heresy, if I can get to 2,000 points of Alpha Legion quick enough, then I'm only going to play 2,000 points. Yeah, I'd say lowest I'd go is 1,500. Just because you get the flavor, you get to play with your Legion rules Mm -hmm. with reactions as well, like where you're actually having to think about your reactions. Whereas again, in a lower point game, you will just be like, well, I'll do that reaction now because yeah. that's my only option anyway. Yeah. Because if yeah. you've got three, you've got to go, well, what one's going to be the best? And then you'll actually become a better player because of those choices. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I do feel as well that having like an open game style approach for the first few would be good. Oh, Just course. because it's like, almost like, so I have these options, talking to your opponent, I have these options, like actually which one, these are the benefits of this, this is, and actually have a discussion through yeah, the yeah. turns to kind of learn because yeah. I, 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 Felt like most of the time I was looking for the rule book, trying to figure out what um trying to figure out what reactions I could do yes. or actually what that rule was. Because I went I went overly cautious of being like, I'm not gonna assume that anything's the same. So it yeah. means that every time it's like, Cool, we're gonna do Fury of the Legion. Okay, actually, let's look at what Fury let's of the Legion is. Let's read Fury yeah. of the Legion. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because there are some tiny little changes yeah. which completely changes everything. Yeah. You know, like ordnance weapons. Okay. They're not the same as they were in 1.0. No, yeah. they're, they're pretty much the same. They're slightly a bit different okay. because of the way vehicles move and the way the rules for vehicles have changed. Yeah. So they kind of cross over slightly differently. Right, okay. Um, it's one of these 99% of the time it won't affect you, but it might once. Yeah. And that'll be the time when you want to use it most and you've cocked up because you didn't read the rules. Yeah. So I think um, Tenel asked whether or not we were going to do a heresy kind of segment in this this episode which i i don't think although we've all made lists uh or me and matt have, I'm, I'm assuming you have you've got the books i've got books but yeah. i haven't made a list okay so we've we've got the books and and we've made lists and stuff i don't feel like i'm in a place where i can confidently say this is great this sucks this is amazing no. or that's, oh, 100%. That's no, 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 no. to be fair even in two three months time we're not particularly but I'd happily sit here and go, oh, did you notice this? And did you notice that? Make yeah. a few notes of, I've read the rule book and actually, did you notice this slight change to feel no pain? Yeah. Or what's the difference between rending and breaching? Because breaching never existed before this edition. Yeah. And, and exactly, highlight yeah. that. I think we can easily do something like that. And yeah. I think it'd be a good way for us to learn as well as sharing that information with people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's something Ooh. we could possibly do in the futures. Cool. Do you want to take a break? Yeah, yeah good. let's take a break. Yeah, come back and we'll talk about our Warp Storm poll. Want to stroke Sam's ego so I don't have to as much? Then please leave the Adepsis Terra podcast an iTunes review if that's the platform in which you listen to them on. The reviews do help them to at least attempt to do better and it does make their little faces light up when they see the five stars. So do the right thing and leave them a review. 
Thank you. Am I done? No. Welcome back to our Warp Storm poll. Which I actually forgot even happened. Yes, well, it's two months old. Yes. Obviously. Um, And uh, I guess... No, we'll leave it till the end. We'll do. Don't worry. Don't okay. don't worry about this bit, people. Um, our Warpstone poll for last month, kind of, was uh, what actor would you cast to play Mephiston? So I kept this very open in terms of whether it was live action or not. I saw in someone's uh, answer, maybe it was Neil's. Um, they had two different options for like a live action or a yeah, kind of. I guess like a. Toy Story type esque thing, like Pixar animated. There you go. That's Thank what you. I was going for. Was animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which a lot of the, a lot of the, the the the, the Warhammer community or Warhammer TV, whatever they call yes. themselves, they're all animated. There's no yeah, yeah, action, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So why not? Yeah. So you've got those kind of options. Um, as usual, we're going to go through the comments. There's a few different options. I've kind of clubbed some people together who came up with the same actor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I think every actor that was mentioned is mentioned here. And then we're going to give our own opinions and our own picks. Um, simples. Um, so let's, <laughs> let's, let's start with our comments, Where's shall we? Sergei? Sergei. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, so first we have Daniel, who said, Ever since he played Elrond, I have pictured Hugo Weaving as Mephiston. And to go with him, Jeremy Irons as Dante. I thought this was an interesting pick. I would never have thought of Hugo Weaving I don't see to be Mephiston. Agent Smith as Mephiston, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I, don't I think it's the long hair, right? I think because Mephiston has long hair and the long hair in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Elrond, yeah. Would make I sense. Think, like, I, I think it's also, you, like, I haven't got mad depth of reading of Mephiston. So part of me sees him as, because the most I know about Mephiston is kind of how he turn to the Black Rage and then overcome it. Yep. Which is kind of like a beast in. You know, he's angry, he's aggressive, he's shouty, he's I murdering, th- you know, people, orcs with his hands. Uh, like, so, like, Hugo Weaving, the Elrond, Mr. Anderson kind of thing doesn't line up in my head mm-hmm. from Mephiston, but maybe there's a lot more info that I just haven't ever read. So, where so he is I, very calm and I think kind he's got to be calm like as in like now he's more zen he's got to be too zen yeah. because he's because he's yeah. gone the other way and yeah. he, now he's like the headsman because I, I can see Hugo Weaving playing a very menacing still talking like very monotone yeah. but you can tell that he could just go yeah you're dead you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could see him playing that kind of character but for me Mephiston's a bit too wild for that yeah, so I would I would have him pegged as a Eldar, be it. Yeah, that's because he played an elf. That's you <laughs> can't say that, Neil. That's that's. Oh, sorry, if I typecast him. You yeah. typecast him into an elf because he played an elf. Yeah, well, he wouldn't make a very good orc though, would he? No, he's far too refined <laughs> for that. Exactly. And clearly, clearly, the guy that plays Hulk could be. This is right. This is my absolute kryptonite. I know actors in terms of like what they've played, but I yeah. have no clue about their names. I could probably tell so you some. Every of them. one of these, I'm basically looking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I looked up. I looked up. I looked up who Jeremy Irons was. Jeremy Irons is awesome. He, please, looks, he looks ill. Please tell oh. me you did not look up Liam Neeson. Oh no, Liam Neeson because of the whole Taken thing. Like I'm going to yeah. take your daughter. No, hang on. You've got my daughter. I'm going to kill you. No. Uh, that does move you. us on to uh, uh, Liam Neeson as our second pick, which is which is super weird. 
Like, I, I, I don't see it personally. Okay. Okay, again, I, I mean, I, long hair from episode one. Are we talking <laughs> perhaps Why Liam Neeson yeah. when he was younger? Because Liam Neeson now looks like he's about 80 and holding on. He's yeah, well, again, I, I kept it very. Are we talking Liam open. Neeson as, as Qui Gon? Because Liam Neeson is Qui-Gon, yeah. long hair. He was in his 50s. He was in his 50s. I mean, he, to be honest, he's aged really well compared to like <laughs> me. Who, uh, he's, uh, he's aging like a sack of crap. But mm. <laughs> actually, him as a young person, he doesn't look yeah. that great. Liam Neeson is, is Obi-Wan. Okay, there we go. That's him young. Look at, look Qui-Gon Jin. Sorry, Qui-Gon. Look at him young. He looks like a potato. <laughs> you look oh, like a potato. Interesting. Um, so then we have uh, a couple of people who all uh, suggested the same. Um, so we have Jason Isaacs, who, if you're unfamiliar, is um, Draco Malfoy's father. Oh, yeah. He long would be, blonde hair. He would be good, wouldn't he? Snake. Potter. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, James said, perfect for the role. Dan added, yeah, cultured with an air of menace about him, which I, th- I can see linked to the Hugo Weaving suggestion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's also great in um, The Death of Stalin. Have you seen The Death of Stalin? No, I it's a very, seen in my no. opinion, a very underrated movie. But in there, okay. he plays the general who basically is going to uh. take over. And there's a scene where, in slow motion, he basically walks in with a cloak over him and he throws his cloak off and he's got like a chest full of medals. <laughs> he's, he's, I'm, 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 now I've said that, I really hope it is him. But, um, but yeah, Jason Isaacs is a great actor. And again, I think if, yeah, you're going for that kind of holding it together but can just be absolutely like aggressive and angry i think he can do that quite well yeah oh good it uh, is him it's fine oh you have you, you're <laughs> yeah, right i, I was right <laughs> right i think he'd be really good i think he would be very good actually. yeah i mean I can... he, he was probably the most voted for really in terms of like mentioned by people okay um then we have um king fluff himself yep uh, you're off to his event on you this year is it this year? It's not his event. Oh, is it not? I thought it was a King Fluff event. And not the one that I'm going to in, ah. in October. That's um, uh, Horace Heresy Manchester, I think. Ah, okay. But yes, of Heresy event fame, King Fluff. Mm-hmm. Um, he said Henry Cavill uh, would look great and do a pretty decent job too. He, he's too much Dawn for me. He's got the physique to go <laughs> along with it. Indeed. Because he is, especially after The Witcher. Yeah. Um, and that's probably where, where he's getting kind of... Yeah. You can see the Witcher being kind of Mephiston-like. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, yeah. But yeah, like when you think Superman, Henry Cavill, I kind of think Gulliman, Dawn, like more straight-laced. Yeah. How much effort it must be to be him? Like, to look like that, how much effort you have to put in. And then also be a big gaming geek and a big Warhammer yeah. geek yeah, as like, well. Yeah, like... But this is the thing, I mean, though, he right? Every like when, you, when you have more money and time... You can do stuff like that. I you haven't know, got to, like, you haven't got to go to work because your last job earned you ten million. Yeah, but so this have, is where we've gone wrong. Yeah, we should be movie stars. We should be movie stars. <laughs> Although he does look quite good with a, with a mustache. Yes, and if it's in the film, we have to digitally composite it out so that it can make oh, it look right God, for yeah. uh, the Justice League. Oh. Anyway, moving um, on. Another suggestion was uh, from Daniel. Who said Tom Hiddleston? So I agree with Daniel. I think Tom Hiddleston would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he says he's got the right, right shaped face and hairline. Loki is basically Mephiston. No, he's not. Oh, no. no. I wouldn't agree with that. I would agree. Is with that. Mephiston a trickster? 
No, not really. He tricked the Black the Rage. Black Rage. <laughs> this is a very tenuous no, link. I, I see him as more brutish and aggressive than like Loki has a kind of lightness to him. You know, partly because of the way he's been written. Is it but... because he's got a giant long sword with two prongs on the end? Is that why you don't want to? He's not. That, they're like his little daggers. I reckon it'd be Tom Hiddleston. Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston. There we we'll go. get there. Yeah, I no. mean, to be fair, the people that have been listed aren't bad actors. No, so they're I'm all sure good any actors. of them could do a pretty decent yeah, job. Especially... But it's not who I personally picture. No. Um, as Mephiston. So a couple of those suggestions were so good that I wanted to go kind of slightly alternative and come up with a suggestion of someone I think could do potentially a really good job but probably wasn't thought of by many people mm-hmm. um, so we're bleeding into our picks now um, mine was to um, uh, Alexander Ludwig who is Bjorn Ironside in Vikings yeah, that's what pass. he's best known for him. pass on that um, he I think he's, he's very beefy guy Um in that role, particularly Bjorn Ironside, he's very aggressive, um, brooding. He can kind of do both, like menacingly calm, but also really aggressive, shouty, Viking-like. Um, and although he'd probably play a great space wolf as well, I think he could do quite a good unhinged oh, younger Mephiston. This is this is Bjorn's ugly son. What? This is Bjorn's ugly son, Alexander Ludwig. You- Bjorn, who are you talking about? He is. He plays Bjorn. Oh, sorry, he plays Bjorn. Ragnar. He's Ragnar's ugly son. Uh, He's Ragnar's first son. Yeah, the ugly one. Most legitimate. Looks like a hit with a plank in the face. Having never watched it, have you not? Vikings is great. First four series, unbelievable. After that, gets super weird. Yeah, don't watch it after four series. Yeah, yeah, I stopped. I I think I stopped in the last series. You could kind of watch. I'd recommend it. Yeah, it first really four good. series, I'd say, are like a must-watch. I'm just, I'm just worried about when they send that wheelchair back from the future. No, that's that's a that's a um No, a, they don't a, send a one back for Ivor the Boneless. No. So he can get around in. He like crawls around on the floor. Oh yeah, yeah, he like Okay, never mind. Is he in a wheelchair? No, I don't think so. Not until much later on. Oh yeah, but that's when it gets weird. Yeah, so they send one back from the future. Yeah, wheelchairs were definitely invented by, before. By then. Skynet. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean you had chariots and things. Yeah, it's basically a fancy wheelchair. Um, yeah, I can act around that very quickly. Yes. Anyway, Alexander Ludwig. Actually, really good actor. I, I think as a young Mephiston, like around when he turned, I think he could do a really good job. I, I think he's, again, it's going to be too typecast, but I think he would make probably a better Bjorn. I think he'd make a great Space Wolf yeah. as well. But I, I wanted to try and find someone no one thought of. Okay. I think he kind of fits that role. I think he could do quite a good job. I, I think he's, I always picture Mephiston as being slightly more slender, not as strong. Whereas Bjorn, I picture him like a brick. Yeah, well, I guess that's how I picture Mephiston because really? my, 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 I guess, maybe favourite part or the bit that I always focus on is him turning. So yeah. he's just, like, he's ripping orcs apart with his bare hands. He's gone the Hulk. He's, yeah. he's absolutely lost his mind and gone crazy. And then I think you could take him into kind of him wrestling with his new nature afterwards. It's almost like he could be a good origin story, Mephiston. Whereas I think everyone else has gone for current Mephiston, mm. older Mephiston, who's already gone through all this stuff. I think he could play quite a good, younger, tortured Mephiston. You know, am I worthy to still be alive? Should I be executed because I fell to the Black Rage? But I'm not, th- you know, like you could do some interesting character work there. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. 
but yeah, that's where I went with it. Now yours are super interesting. Yes. So I've taken, I've gone down the route of two, which we kind of alluded to earlier. I've gone for voice talent if it was an animated series. Yes. So I've picked Peter Dinklage. Mm. I don't see it personally. What, but just a voice? Yeah, just his voice. I don't see it. Okay, fair enough. And I don't know enough about Mephiston's conversations and how they go and how quick-witted he is or any of that stuff. He, he doesn't talk as much, like, from what I remember in the books. You've been a Mephiston book, right? Yeah, 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 but it's been a while since I've read it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 always, I always imagine him being, like, maybe the silent, brooding kind of type. Yeah. Whereas Peter Dinklage seems to be... I think Peter Dinklage would make a great Loki in an animated series because so, he is that quick witted. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and again, I've only ever really seen Peter Dinklage in Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones right. So yeah. I don't know really what else he's... Oh, and in the Marvel one where he played a, <laughs> where he played a, a giant. But yeah, I, 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 I always... This is the issue where, only, where you only, when, I, when I've only ever seen someone in one, yeah. mm-hmm. I can only really relate them to that. You yeah. cast them accidentally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I'd imagine him more like... Well, like a Lucas the Trickster style, not Lucas the Trickster, but you know what I mean? Like kind of yeah, 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 yeah. being tricksy more than uh, uh, you would, you would or overly it. smarmy. I yeah, can yeah, see yeah. him being like, I'm wealthy. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah. You, so you wouldn't have him being, I drink blood and no things. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was my idea for an animated one. And then live action, uh, I've picked Nicolaj Costa Waldol. See, again... Also known as Jamie Lannister. Mm. So, so I knew when you said Jamie Lannister. I didn't know that was his real name. What else has he been in? He did a movie where he goes to prison. Yes. Becomes like a gang member leader yeah. dude. Oh, he He's big, quite good in that. Big beard. He's definitely got... Man, God, look at his jaw. Like, really right angle. See, see where I was going with this? Is He's got that sort of like very... Space marine. <laughs> manly face. Yeah, I, I, yeah I've only seen him. It isn't in... sort of like, it's not, it's not one or the other. It's, yeah. it's kind of like... I think he blends between the two, right? Like, I think when you talk, look at like the Hugo Weavings, Jason Isaacs, I see a more brooding, quiet, rarely speaks, has an aura of menace, very respected. Mm. But that's how I see their kind of actors and yeah. the roles they've played. Yeah. Or then you've got the other side of things, which is like, yeah, um, well, at least the way I took it, which is like the a more aggressive, mm-hmm. loud, raw, uh, almost like he's um, ready to snap at any moment. I think um, Jamie Lannister's actor, yeah. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name, um, fits in between. Yeah. I could see him doing both those kind of roles. So maybe he's maybe you're onto something there. He's done loads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. He, was in, he was in Black Hawk Down. Yeah, yeah. He's he done was in absolutely. Gods of Egypt. He played Horus. Ooh. Yes, he is in um, Gods of Egypt. That film. Yes. Mm. Yeah, you know, Gods nobody's, of Egypt was nobody's brilliant. perfect. Nobody God, ever Gods makes of, God, Gods of Egypt. Was you can't blame choice. actors for bad movies. Right choice every time. No, I think it was great. He was in Gerard uh, Butler was in there, and Gerard Butler is a good. He was good in that f- uh, film with Tom Cruise where they were all. Uh, is it Tom Cruise does his own stunts movie? Are we, are we, yes. Every movie. Are we an effective team? And I can't fly off anything what it was called where they're... Probably Obliv- Oblivion, maybe? Oh, maybe. Oblivion. I don't know. There's lots of drones in it that are basically massive round balls and... Um, yes. They're basically living on a sky platform and harvesting water to send up to space. Oh, yeah. Oblivion is there. Was he in that? Yeah. 
Yeah, as that. what? He's one of the uh, the guys that lives underground. Oh, Oblivion was a get. Like, I, I think Oblivion was a good movie. Um, mainly because it was a surprising the outcome and stuff. M- very much like the island, like very good movie yeah. until you realize what's going on. Yeah. And yeah, 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 I liked that. Hmm. Anyway, cool. Well, that was our uh, warp storm poll. That was actually our final warp storm poll. Because this is the final episode of the. No. <laughs> Excellent. We have changed it to number ninety nine. No. No. Okay. Episode ninety three. We are uh, beginning a a new thing. So we are replacing our Warpstorm poll. We've run this for a while. This kind of mini segment of the show has probably been through the most changes since mm-hmm. we began. It's gone through many different um, alterations. And we're going to play with a, another new one um, going forward. Sorry. Ask Matt. No, Name no, Matt. no. Don't, don't try and bring that thing back from the dead. No. So this is going to be called The Oath of Moment. Um, and the idea is that it's a mini subject kind of opinion based discussion. So the idea of how this is going to work going forward is we are going to have a subject that one of us will be kind of bringing to the other two. Um, we will discuss that for you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. And then we will on release put out what the oath of moment was so that you guys can join in and comment and give your opinions as well. And then on the following month, we will do a debrief of the previous topic. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have kind of a, oh, James said this, and I never thought about that. For an example, just so people can follow easily, we might say one of the topics could be the worst color to paint. Okay. And we'll go, oh, yellow sucks or white sucks or brown or who cares. We say a color, you know, and maybe all three of us agree or we come up with a couple of different ones. Then when the released episode comes out, we will put oath of moment which do you think is the worst color let's have that conversation and then we're you know similar to the poll we'll just put it up and then people can comment and have that discussion anything that we think is insightful or adds to that conversation we will then put in our kind of debrief of the previous is uh, previous months oath of moment and then before we do the current month's topic so for this next one next month we shouldn't tell anyone then no no I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to Oh. But for the next month, there won't obviously be any debrief because we haven't started yet. Okay. Yeah? Cool. But then from then, we will talk about a topic next month as our oath of moment. Then on release, that will get posted on the safe room where you can comment and join in with that conversation. And then we will be able to debrief from the second oath of moment because we'll actually have some feedback. And, and we're just going to see how it goes. So the idea is they're uh, kind of short conversation topics so we don't spend hours going backwards and forwards. There might be some hot takes, particularly from Sam. Um, There may be some unpopular opinions. Um, It could be uh, really fun, um, see some kind of spicy subjects or maybe some more tame ones, but just this seems a good place to kind of fit it into the podcast. We'll see. And we're going to round robin it. So I'm going to do next month and then it'll be Sam and then it'll be Neil. That's the kind of pattern we always go in. (laughs) It's you twice next month. Oh, no. No, No, next month I'll be doing that. Oh, so we... Oh, God. Oh, (laughs) Oh, how are we going to track this? Easy, easy. Again, after episode 99, we don't have to do this anymore. It's fine. Yes. (laughs) Just start dropping that in the... the, (laughs) Um... Just so we never have to do an episode 100, because screw that. <laughs> but yes, so we're, we're going to go forward with the Oath of Moment. Now, the Oath of Moment, for those that maybe don't know or haven't got the kind of reference, 
is an oath that a space marine would take, particularly during the heresy, before they went into battle. And they would make an oath of moment to secure a certain objective or kill the most enemy or capture the traitor or whatever. They would set an oath and they would put it on their um, their armour. This is kind of the birthplace of purity seals and where that kind of idea came from. Yep. Um, so that's where that reference is. So it's the oath of moment because we're talking about something in the moment. That's the idea behind the name. Um, so yeah, we're going to take that forward. Hopefully you guys are interested in that. It should be some fun. And I think it's a better way moving forward from our poll. I think it's had its day, it's had its time. Let's lay it to rest and let's try something new. Awesome. So yeah. Let's talk, uh, let's take, uh, let's take a quick break and we will come back with our spotlight, Indeed. which we're looking at um, four-legged friends. Beasties. Or many, many legged friends. Many to or four. no legs. Beasties. Or no legs, maybe worms. Anyway. The tendrils of the warp are far-reaching and communicating using the great social media anonymicon. Do I? What's that? Do I have to say that? Yeah, it's a keeper anonymicon. Anonymicon. Anyway, it's apparently never been easier. Reach out and connect. Find them on the Adeptus Terror podcast page on Facebook. www.facebook.com forward slash the Adeptus Terror podcast and the Adeptus Terror Podcast Community Safe Room Facebook group, www.facebook.com forward slash T-A-T-P Safe Room. You can also connect to them on Instagram to see some of what they get up to in between episodes at the Adeptus Terror Podcast. Give these losers a break and please give them a like and a follow. Thanks, guys. Welcome back. This is The Spotlight. And this episode, we are talking about named Tyranid beasties. So these are all the um, kind of named Tyranid bioforms. Um, we're going to spend our time talking about uh, their kind of lore, their background history, as we always do in The Spotlight. And then on our tabletop section, we are picking one which we would take to the field of battle. Um, might talk a little bit about their rules and the models that are available for them and why we chose them whether it's a law-based reason or, or rules-based reason. Um, you will notice a theme of the unique biomorphs. Um, you will see it pop up again and again and again. That they don't seem to die completely. <laughs> because to have a named character in Tyranids, but then have all these high fleets in the history of... Um, or splinter fleets, we should say. Um, getting defeated means how can you then have this character come back? Because the Tyranids do not operate like Astartes heroes or Imperial Guard heroes or Necron dynasty characters. They are a separate breed. So, uh, yeah, again and again and again, a lot of these characters have maybe met their end but then been reborn and remade by a high fleet when they've needed them. Um, so you will see that come up again and again and again. And I just kind of want to give that out. Otherwise, someone might call us out for... Oh, that's just the same. And it's like, yes, because Tyranids work the same across the, across the board, even though they are unique. Mm, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, I think, I think Sam's actually kicking us off with uh, one of the big bads. 
Boom. So, the Swarm Lord. So, when I think of Tyranids, I think of this wonderful creature on its hind... Well, not hind legs. On its legs with its four terrific bone swords that it's mm, got going on. Bone sabers. Bone sabers. Um, so, the, uh, the Swarm Lord has been created by the hive mind with the single purpose to outthink the enemy. Um, it develops its own new strategies. It, 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 <gasps> is it a brain bug? It's not a brain bug. It's not a brain bug. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got too, too many uh, dangerous limbs to be a brain bug. Yeah, yeah, the brain bug just sort of lays there like a broom and gets carried along with the little buggies. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, the Swarm Lord will develop new strategies once the standard tyranny strategies have actually failed. Um, so as we know with uh, with Tyranids, the, the the main kind of mo is is they will throw as many bodies at it. If that doesn't work, they will evolve those bodies to have wings because they can they can do it that way. Then if that doesn't work, they'll involve the, uh, evolve them to have wings and giant swords in their arms. Yeah, or they dig underground. Or they, or they dig they underground. Spit acid. <laughs> mm-hmm. They basically take the standard almost standard uh, construct um, of uh, of a bug and then evolve that bug depending on what they need that bug to do. Yeah. Um, so the Swarm Lord is effectively the end of that evolution. They go, nothing else has worked, so we need to evolve and produce a Swarm Lord um, in order to do that. Tactical genius. Tactical genius. Because it's not about bodies anymore, it's about tactics. It's about smarts, smarts with the tyrannid aliens. Anyway, so we know it as a Swarm Lord from the Imperium. However, it's known by other names such as um, the Tyrant Lord of the Hivemind, the Herald of the Great Devourer, and the Destroyer of Cutla Empire. I'm guessing Cutla Empire is a tyrannid a towel thing. I'm not sure where that comes from, actually. Cutla sounds very tyrannid. No, it it could be uh, Elder. Could be Elder, I guess, maybe. Um, so the Swarm Lord is, eh, I don't like the word immortal, but essentially immortal. So once it's killed, it is reabsorbed by the, the hive mind and then made again in the exact same, um, with the exact same experiences, character, knowledge. So every time this thing is killed... Um, because of its its adaption or its strategy has failed, it is reborn, knowing that that one has failed, mm. um, which makes it ultimately terrifying because it will just keep coming back, mm. stronger and stronger, cle- more clever, more clever, harder, better, faster, stronger, harder, better, stronger. Anyway, the so unlike the hive tyrant, which is what a swarm lord is it's like the next Climate, step on yeah. from the hive tyrant so the hive tyrant is like the last thing that they would create um the reincarnation of a swarm lord um actually is is produced due to a stress induced response when the those conventional strategies aren't working and the hive mind kind of realizes it needs to go a bit further ah, we're losing. Yeah, yeah we're losing quick birth the hive a, a better looking hive tyrant um, to this end, the Swarm Lord possesses uh, more autonomy from the hive mind than other Tyranid creatures. Mm-hmm. So they, are, um, they don't require synapse. So they are synapse creatures themselves and they, they, um, they don't require to be attached to the, the hive mind. So they can go like deep undercover and pretend to be a guardsman. Yes. <laughs> That's definitely not true. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it doesn't need to be attached um, or in close proximity to other hive, uh, hive mind bugs. The, the connection between um, that Swarm Lord and the hive mind is so strong it can actually emerge amongst other hive fleets uh, so it doesn't necessarily need to be from the same hive fleet to be there which is really cool for like modeling opportunities yeah it allows you to be able to take a swarm lord on the table in your made up hive fleet or hive fleet gorgon or hive fleet kraken or mm. any of them which is a nice little bit of lore that kind of explains why there that happens yeah, and, and because they can just come from anywhere, there's no real physical limitations that, that might be there from the different fleets. 
Um, the Swarm Lord has years and years and years and years of experience because it is just reborn when it's needed to be. Um, that actually this 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 pinnacle, this this apex predator of the Tyranids, um, is 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 great in any any force. So the Swarm Lord has um, four bone sabers. Uh, I said bone swords earlier. They are effectively um, slightly different to the bone swords as they have what's known as a crystalline growth, which is not found from this galaxy. Um, and the crystalline growth can cut through or slice through adamantium um, and force fields with ease. It's oh like a, a bone sword that's also somehow a power weapon. Oh dear. Like yeah. this, this growth kind of gives it some weird field that allows it to cut through metal rather than hack at it like a bone sword yeah. which is just a big chunk of bone here really dense this thing kind of seems to slice through which is the big difference i've oh noticed when i've read about the swarm lord and the hive tyrants the wolverine's not going to stand a chance then no yeah well he, yeah, do you know what it, i'd say it's kind of the same thing it's kind of yeah i guess so yeah um so there are quite a few notable battles that the swarm lord um has has taken part of, but I'm just going to pick out one, which is the battle for McCrag. So during the battle of Cold Steel Ridge, the Swarm Lord directed High Fleet Behemoth to defeat every one of Marnia's Kalgar and the Ultramarine's tactics. Kalgar himself was almost killed by the Swarm Lord, but managed to escape alive with the help of his Honor Guard. While the Swarm Lord killed the commander of Kalgar's Honor Guard, Aloysius. Um, during the battle of the Polar Fortress, again on the battle for McCrag, um, the Swarm Lord led the attack against the Polar Fortress uh, of McCrag, defended by the first Captain Saul, Invictus of the Ultramarines First Company. In the end, the entire First Company was killed, and the official Imperial records list the Swarm Lord as slain. But we all know, you can never really kill a Swarm Lord. No. No, it's like that mould that keeps coming back from the, in the bedroom. <laughs> Anyway. Some special paint. Special that. paint. Special paint and special Special scrub. anti-Swarm Lord paint. <laughs> can't, can't go there. <laughs> They've got the special paint. Anyway, so that's the Swarm Lord. Um, I think, personally, probably one of my favourites. I think they're quite cool and they've got quite a lot of um, history and you can very easily have one in your army that you keep bringing back and keep developing its story mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. really lead into like a narrative-driven yeah. Tyranid force. It's, I think it's a hard. weird one, right? Like One of the reasons I picked this as a subject is that no Tyranid bioform is technically unique, as in it's only one, and once it's dead, it's dead. Yep. It can come back and be reutilized. The Swarm Lord is probably the apex of that pattern because it can appear all over the place for all these different hive fleets. Yeah. And somehow, because it is so central to the hive mind, it can learn from one part of the galaxy, die, be reborn in another part of the galaxy mm-hmm. under another hive fleet, and has the memories of that one from, you know, multi years of space travel it's, somehow they're, yeah. they're connected and they so every swarm lord is better than the last one which is pretty cool so it's effectively an ai yeah kind a, of yeah it's like a, a natural learning, ai a learning machine which is terrifying yes yes terrifying yeah, the anyway. tyranids in law are terrifying and i think I think it's very easy to kind of not do a really narrative-driven approach when it comes mm. to Tyranids because they're just mindless, faceless bugs, right? But actually, stuff like this really gives you that flavor as to like, it could be, you know, the, the terror of Kabanda, not Kabanda, the terror of Kalachna <laughs> or whatever. Um, and, and you could drive that narrative and only bring the Stormlord in like, like the last game of a campaign mm. or, or, or when mm. you've been losing a lot, you can yeah, bring him yeah. and be like, this is, he's come out because we're losing. Because we're losing the campaign. Yeah, maybe you can only field one if you're behind on victory points or something. Yeah. Like if, you, you know, the last game you were beaten, you have the option of bringing a Swarm Lord. That would be kind of cool. You could also um, 
do it where if you had enough of a collection that if you played someone and you your all your griblies got murdered because they brought a bunch of um you know horde killing weapons say bring the same list we're going to set up the same board and this is the tyranid's second wave but i'm going to bring a swarm lord who's leading a bunch of monsters like carnifex is mm. and because the hive fleet is adapted yeah, 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 because you've clearly got decent guns for killing hordes, so we're going to bring the more resilient things. And the reason we're doing that is because the Swarm Lord has come up with that plan, and that's why he's there. And then you've got a real narrative behind your game and why you're almost replaying the same game, but that has a real cool story to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really fun option that you don't get very consistently. Yeah. And this is making me want to get my Tyranids out. Ah, uh, mate, yeah. Uh, anyway, Neil. Right, so next up we've got the Dagon Overlord, also known simply as Overlord. Makes sense. Makes sense. Very, um, very streamlined. Yeah, 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 very streamlined. So uh, again, Tyranid, a Tyranid synapse creature, monstrous, uh, which is unique to High Fleet Dagon. Uh-huh. Uh, similar in appearance to a Hive Tyrant. Um, but with enough differences to make it stand apart from its more common brethren. All conversion options. Indeed. Um, but obviously not quite at the same level as a Swarm Lord. Mm. Um, so the Overlord is covered in plates of slimy chitin that leak fluid, and it projects an aura of menace and horror. Uh, its importance within the hive structure can be seen when it is leading other creatures. Its mere presence will embolden and madden the lesser creatures of the swarm in a much more powerful way than would be expected from a link to the hive mind. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's basically it is a basic, basically a buffer. It mm. it's the embodiment of the hive fleet's anger and rage towards the Jericho Reach. Uh, and its alien hatred inf- infects. Sorry, it's and its alien hatred infects the lesser creatures of the swarm uh, with a desire to murder, maim, and kill anything that gets in the way. Mm. You could really field one of these really well using the psychic powers that they yeah. get, um, because you get like buffs that you can give to your units to give rerolls, or um, they can run an assault. Yeah, you know things like that. Or you can have ones where I think it's like called the horror. Mm-hmm. Where like units need to take morale tests and things, which you know fits with that whole aura of menace yeah. and horror. Yeah, um, yeah, you could really kind of choose your psychic powers cleverly to to mm. represent one of these things. Um, so, in addition to this this sort of incitement of rage and and murder desire for the uh, the lesser creatures, um, Dagon the High Fleet is known for its toxicity, and the Overlord is no different. Um, it's surrounded by clouds of toxin that ooze from the joints of its armour uh, and it creates a haze of uh, hematoxins, neurotoxins and deadly, deadly phage organisms um, that surround it, very much like the venom throat. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's a venom throat. Again, this, this list is right in itself. You've got an overlord, yep. got venom throats. Well, there's the big one, Toxicrine. Toxicrine, yeah. It's the big you, kind of venom throat. Like, yeah. This, this is, this is, yeah. Effectively, just high fleet Dagon is just toxic. Yeah. Um, I think you can upgrade some of the uh, bigger griblies to have acid moors where they spit. Yeah. Venom and stuff. That's like a perfect upgrade. 
Um, but the Overlord has been given the name or the nickname, the moniker of, uh, oh, sorry, no, it's surrounding cloud of toxicity has been given the moniker of miasma of the depths. <laughs> Ooh. So yeah, quite a, quite a, uh, a name there. God. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, the first appearance of Dagon Overlord was during the opening days of the battle for Castabel within the Jericho Reach. It was seen leading a swarm against Trimelov Hive, besieging the city in a month-long war that eradicated the defenders. Uh, did, it, did it wipe them out? All, all of, of them. them. <laughs> uh, Imperial Guardsmen fighting uh, against the Hive Fleet believed that the beast had a personal vendetta against the humans of Jericho Reach. Uh, this note, notion has been brushed off as fanciful imaginations by those in charge that have never seen the horrendous beast. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Uh, since the Overlord's first appearance, it has been seen amongst all of the major combat zones of the Orpheus Assailant, leading multiple swarms against the ranks of defenders. Uh, this has caused some to surmise that the Overlord is not a one-off biomorph, but uh, one designed by High Fleet Dagon and created where needed on each battle zone. Very much not quite Swarmlord level, but again, yeah, this is what happens. It dies, it comes back. Maybe it doesn't have the same sort of memories, recorded memories, but... Yeah, and always stuck to the same High Fleet. Yes. Um... Which is interesting on why. Well, we don't know why, but how the Swarm Lord, maybe it's just not deemed effective enough. Maybe. Yeah. The high, like it takes greater effort for the hive mind to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So that it just kind of goes, well, you can just stay on this one thing because that's easy copy paste. Whereas trying to put you over there at the other side of the universe is a bit too hard. Yeah. Um, this does mean that the Overlord could be potentially a veteran of many, many wars. Mm. Uh, respawning by the will of the hive mind after being felled by a powerful foe countless times. Um, Death Watch, or the Death Watch and the Ordo Xenos have made attempts to uncover the truth of the Overlord in attempts to catalogue uh, a new deadly variant of the hive tyrant. Um, however, both organisations haven't had much success because uh, when it is defeated, it will rise again in another place. Rise up. Uh, I wonder if it just like melts away so they can't even could experiment be. on yeah, the body or something. I mean, you'd think if it, if it was that toxic, yeah, there would, would probably be something sort of like a, a fail-safe mechanism built in by the, mm. the, the fleet to say, mm, yes, right, we can't have them capturing this. We need some secrets. Yeah, very possibly. Um, the Overlord... Uh, will be actively seen to hunt Death Watch kill teams as it has a special hatred towards them. Uh, obviously, but we know these guys are after me. We're going to kill them first. Mm. Uh, it's also very selective about the creatures it chooses to consume. Ooh. So it picks only the strongest, most powerful enemies to eat. Uh, and it will often task the cre lesser creatures of the swarm to gather the bodies after or during the battle, um, collecting them at its feet, it will then eat the bodies to heal damage to itself and even 
over time take on the traits of those it devours. Mm. Interesting. Uh, when it is finally slain, a shockwave is sent through the hive link, causing all non-synapse creatures to break and flee as quickly as they can, overriding their natural instincts. Oh, wow. Um, as mentioned, with its sort of infectious rage and hatred, it's capable of spurring a swarm uh, that they lead into greater feats of fury, even to fight on when gravely wounded. Mm, nice. So... Extra anger, the more you get wounded, the more you get angry. Yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting how, like, I guess because it has a bigger effect on um, their, like, rage and fury, when it dies, they get super scared yeah. and all run away. But then part of me goes, well, but then if it can be reborn, it can reconnect with those that have run away, kept themselves alive, and then put them to work again, rather than just have them blindly charge yeah. And die, and then you have to raise a whole another fleet. It might, it might, yeah, it might be a, a fail safe, another fail safe mechanism. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Maybe bit. start a cult. Yeah. They'll just bury themselves normally and then pop out when they feel brave enough. Oh, Tyrion is great. They are very cool. Very, very cool. Next is Old One Eye, one of the kind of most classic of the Tyranid creatures. Um, Old One Eye is a unique Tyranid Carnifex with the ability to regenerate itself from mortal wounds. Its body bears the scars of many blows that should have killed it, and rumours persist of Old One-Eye being killed more than a dozen times. Should make some sense. Um, Old One-Eye spearheaded High Fleet Behemoth's assault on Kalth, swatting away Lehman Rust battle tanks as if they were insects. Its rampage was stopped when a forgotten hero of the Imperium fired a plasma pistol through its eye and into its brain. This shot was the first time Old One Eye was brought down, and to this day is still unable to regenerate that eye. Is that what's his face? Clawface, Clawman. Um, we don't know. We literally do not know who. Oh, is. right. Okay. Is unnamed. Clawman. You know Clawman. You know that. Um, are you talking about um, Commissar no, Yarrick? Yarrick. There we go. No, I know that's, he was that's orcs, the orcs in the orcs. Armageddon. Armageddon. Um, but yes, we do not know. Yeah, but you know who I meant when I said Clawman. Like I, I did. <laughs> I did know who you meant. And I was thinking, was he on Kalth? I was confused. Um, decades later, after Bayamoth had been driven from Kalth, a band of smugglers stumbled across its body, frozen intact in the ice packs of Kalth. Terrifying. Absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. terrifying. Well, you'd think that. But they thought it out, uh, hoping to get a bounty for the corpse. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You no. could just drag it in its giant ice cage rather than going, I know what I'll do. I'll melt it because it's easier to carry. It's lighter. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's easier to carry, but not to transport, because it's definitely not going to be dead. Yeah, anyway, um, so they, they thaw it out, hoping to get a bounty for the corpse, but Old One-Eye's uh, grievous wounds instantly began to heal. It soon awoke and slaughtered the smugglers. So are we saying, are we saying that Imperium of Man know that... Not the Imperium of Man. The, ever, the average Joe of the Imperium of Man know that Tyranids exist. I don't know. Because I always get confused as to what well, people actually know. Most of them don't know demons exist still. Yeah, and, there are and many worlds that have no idea that demons are a thing. And there's worlds that believe that there's no more space marines because they don't see them very often, and it's kind of like myths and legends. Yeah, mm-hmm. they kind of yes. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if they think there are none, but they just never see them, so they think they're like godlike beings because they just never see them. Godlike, godlike. Which I guess to an average man they kind of are anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I yeah. wouldn't say that I'm godlike. You're not a space marine. That's why you're not a space marine. I've got a helmet. That's true. 
you're it's just armor. you're closer to being uh, I'm like three percent closer hey yeah, yeah average people can wear the armor right anyway carry on old one eye so isolated from the hive mind a card effect reverts to its instinct to mindlessly kill and so old one eyes release heralded a series of tyranid raids on kalth land convoys were destroyed hab domes smashed and many people were torn apart lesser tyranid creatures such as the termagants and gene stealers who were also left behind from the Bayamoth's invasion, were drawn to Old One-Eye's presence as a dominant leader. The uh, people of Kalth cried out for aid, and they were answered by Scout Sergeant Tellion of the Ultramarines. Tellion tracked down Old One-Eye, but found it difficult to pierce its armoured flanks. As Tellion's warriors were cut to pieces by the beast, Tellion made a a one-in-a-million shot that hit its ruined eye socket. Old One-Eye was overcome with pain and stumbled into a cavernous ravine, Teleon led a search for the body, but Old One Eye was never found. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Twisty mustache. Yeah. I, I swear we've done this before, but it might have just been me reading up on it. What, about Old One Eye? Yeah. I well, I think we've, we've done, done High Fleet Bayamoth before. Ah, so we probably old. have spoken about Old One Eye before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Old One Eye's ability to heal damage inflicted on it during combat has given rise to theories of it being an unstable mutation, an experiment in rapid cell regrowth abandoned by the hive mind. But with the arrival of the hive fleet Leviathan, this mutation has become nearly a standard on every Carnifex proving this theory wrong. Mm. The most recent sighting of a creature resembling the Beast of Kalth was upon the world of Tartarus, during hive fleet Leviathan's assault on the Cryptus system. Ignoring the fire from Cadian heavy weapon teams that splattered off, um, sorry, that spattered off its scarred carapace, this Alpha Khan effect smashed apart several of the Void Shield generators that kept Tartarus protected from devastating solar storms. Not a single Imperial soldier survived the resulting cataclysm, and if this was the same creature, it is unknown how it escaped the confines of Kalth, but the fact remains that wherever Old One Eye is sighted, carnage and slaughter follow in its wake. Um, I suspect with Tyranids that their deeds are perhaps maybe um out out outlive the actual Tyranid that did them. Yes. Yeah. So I suspect actually there isn't one. There isn't just one one eye. There's probably oh he's he's really powerful. He must be one eye. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Like, so part of me goes, it's quite unique in the terms that you need a Carnifex with a missing eye on the right side and da-da-da-da. But then yeah. stories are stories and you can't believe information. Yeah. Part of me thinks, actually, old one eye, he died. Tellian killed him. They just never found the body. It fell in a very deep ravine. Yeah. It's gone. You know? But when an alpha Carnifex is kind of shown and it's healing wounds, which is, as we've seen, more common place now yeah, yeah um they go oh le- this must be the legend of old one eye and we'll just kind of claim that almost as yep. it must have been this um for whatever reason maybe propaganda maybe you know fairy tale stories almost of you know like oh the time i survived one old one eye and it's just imperial records can't be trusted as we we've known in many ways yeah and yeah i, I don't think old one eye is actually around anymore i just think it's a legend that is re-brought up when a carnifex does a lot of damage yeah, yeah. and they go oh it must have been this thing yeah yeah 
Cool. Uh, the Doom of Malatai. Um, so the Doom of Malatai is a very different uh, Tyranid Zonethrope. So the Zonethropes are like the floating heads with tentacles. Yeah, brain, brains with like a spindly body, barely any arms. They're like T-Rex. Yeah, a floating T-Rex brain arm thing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> unlike the standard Zonethropes, um, the Doom has the ability to feed upon psychic energy of its victims rather than the blood and gore and icho and whatnot. Um, it has a large spine-like growth emerging from its back and extending over its skull to resemble a hood. And it has several claws protruding from its fangs. Um, tiny T-Rex arms. Um, these alterations uh, crackle with psychic energy and serve to focus the psychic powers so it absorbs uh, the life energy of all of those around it. The creature took its name from the event on the Elder Craft World of Manantai. Following the destruction of High Fleet Naga the, uh, by the Elder, the lone and wounded bioship committed its final act by launching itself um, or l- launching its last bundle of mycetic spores into the Craft World of Manantai. The Eldar uh, of the assaulted Craftworld quickly set about hunting the scattered creatures, but in the process of killing those they believed posed the greatest threat, they ignored the unique vampiric, vampiric zonethrope um, that they left undisturbed. It's a floating brain. It's not the biggest thing that's trying to yeah, eat you. Yeah, when things are trying to actually eat you, yeah, 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 you're yeah, like, yeah. I better yeah. kill that first. <laughs> However, the Doom of Malentine started to devour the spirits of the Craftworld's infinity circuit, feeding on psychic energy, because oh. Eldar are psychic, right? Um, as it fed, its power grew until it became almost invulnerable and went on to reduce the entire craft world to a lifeless shell. But since the destruction of Manantai, um, there has been no new signs of this creature known as the Doom of Malantine. Mm. So since the destruction of the craft world, there's been no new reports of it. It's too However, fat stuck. <laughs> I swear that Matt brings all of these named so creatures. The Doom, <laughs> the Doom of Malantine. So that bit is new. Oh, really? Well... Yes and no. So it was the, the, the fact that there's been no sign since the doom yeah. of, of Malantai. Um, that little sentence is, is newer. I don't know how long it's been around. I don't want to say new as in this codex. But in 5th edition, the doom of Malantai existed and this story existed, but that little bit didn't include and you could, it was a playable character, so you just bought a zone throat model. And it was phenomenal. It would just turn up and, you know, units within six inches would take, like, you know, D6 invulnerable saves, and yeah. they would get murdered. And it was such a good unit. So powerful. Because <coughs> um, there, is there is a Malanthrope. Malanthrope is a different oh, sorry. entity. So this yeah. is the Doom of Malanthrope. It's never had a model. And it died when GW took out all of the things that didn't have models. Yep. So this is when you oh. lost, like, the Tyranid drop pod disappeared for a while until they brought back the plastic kit. Right. Which is the Tyrannocyte, or I can't remember what it's called. Whatever the weird name is now. Yeah. Um, and the Doom has never come back. Now you have a Zonethrope and you have a HQ version called the Neurothrope which interestingly has a kind of bone-type spine that comes over the head, and that's how you know if it's a neurothrope or a zonethrope. Right. So they've kind of leaned into the Doom of Malantyre, but not this specific one. But not the Doom of Malantyre. And they've not given that kind of power that was, to be honest, a bit broken um, back to the neurothrope. The neurothrope's just a slightly better zonethrope mm-hmm. and a HQ rather than an elite. 
Um, so they've kind of half stepped, brought him back. Mm. But yeah, the then they then they added at that point they added this sentence that basically says, and it's never been seen again. Yeah, as a way of writing it out, like we're not going to bring this model back. Interesting. That's a shame. Mm. So it used to be amazing. So I have memories of this is way back when when we very first started. I had one zone throat metal zone throat that I used as a Doom of Malentire, and he used to come in in a pod, mm-hmm. Tyranid pod. But that model didn't exist either. And this is before I had any idea of how to convert something or anything like that. So I used to use a monster can <laughs> as my drop pod. And I would have played it against you yeah, guys. You yeah, probably yeah, remember. You did, but yeah, yeah, I used to have like a monster can come down and then the Doom would go next to it. And it'd be right in the middle of someone's army and just like, just suck the souls out of everything. Yeah. Um, along with my mass gene stealer running everywhere. Yes. Um, it was great. That was, uh, yeah, that was f- fifth edition. That was my second force after my space wolves was the tyranids um but yeah so i used to love running the doom and malentai but it doesn't exist uh, in terms of playable character anymore Ooh. does the next creature we're talking about still exist yes it does, it does. so we are i am now going to talk about the red terror so the Red Terror is a more deadly and horrific version of the Ravener breed of Tyranid and part of Hive Fleet Kraken's invasion of the galaxy. Uh, this creature appeared two years before the official start of the inv- invasion in 99.m41. Uh, mercifully, the vicious predator has only been countered once by the Imperium where over the course of 20 days it hunted the defenders of the mining world of Devlin Primus, which is located on the eastern fringe. And where you get Devlin mud from. This is where you get, used to get Devlin mud from. Um, basically, it tore into a starport compound uh, to reach the defenders, killing 24 of them before it was driven away. And it just continued to come back time and time again to reap more deaths from the gradually dwindling forces of the Imperium retreating back into the tunnel it had merged from to consume the human remains uh, it used to have a rule I don't know if it still does but it used to have a rule where it could swallow models whole and mm-hmm. then recoup wounds due to what it swallowed ah, so yes. if it swallowed a marine with one wound it gets one, one wound, wound back yeah, if, it's if it swallows a captain with three it and three. it's lost three, it would get three back. Yeah. Um, it disappeared for a while, and I think they brought it back. I don't know. Um, but yeah. We shall see. Um, so, eventually a search and destroy team was sent into the mining tunnels to hunt the great beast. Uh, this was their doom, however, and the entire party met their end at the dripping sides of the Red Terror. Uh, it is possible that the survivors of the Massacre of Devlin have mistaken several similar creatures to be this one powerful beast. However, if it is a distinct Tyranid creature, it must be a highly efficient killer. Even though no reports of the creature have been recorded since uh, the events of Devlin, it could mean simply that no other encounters have had any survivors. Very true. Uh, Described to be a beast with a carapace the colour of blood uh, talons that are capable of burrowing through rock creek and are more, more so wide it could swallow a human hole as we discussed mm. um, 
Every retelling of the tales, its legend grows more fearsome and fearsome. So like we said earlier about stories being told about, say, one old, old one eye, they can get exaggerated quite a bit. Indeed. Into myth-like. It's, it's any monster story, right? Like, mm. it was 20 foot tall. The uh, next was, story, it was 24 foot tall. Like, this time it was the same size as this small ship. Yeah. Um, some claim that is... This, some claim on the subject of size that is the size of a... Hello? Hello. That was weird. Um, some claim on the subject of size that is the size of a standard Ravana. Others have likened it to uh, the size of a, ty- a trigon. If it's the size of a trigon, it can certainly swallow oh. a human whole. Indeed. <laughs> swallow eight at the same time. Wow. Um, the fate of the Red Terror is unknown after the events of uh, Devlin Primus, although one giant ship managed to flee the planet uh, with hundreds of refugees. It arrived at the world of Adri's Hope, dark and silent, with no response to communication efforts. Uh, it landed on autopilot, far from habitation, and when the ship was investigated, it was found to be a blood-soaked abattoir. Uh, the men, women and children had all been butchered. They suspected a breach in quarantine, but no creature was found aboard the vessel. Dun, dun, dun! And you can see where this is going. Somebody's been taking notes out of uh, Ridley Scott's notebook. Yeah, it's very alien-like. Uh, three weeks later, Adri's hope became a blood-soaked ruin, the beast of Devlin claiming more, yet more victims. Imperial scholars have suggested that the Red Terror could be the hive mind's first experiments in creating a fast-moving killer that can appear without warning and devour its prey whole. It is possible that this is an early attempt by the hive mind to progress towards larger creatures like the Morlock or the Trigon. Uh, all very alien-like, as we yes. said. It's stalking corridors and claustrophobic mining tunnels to kill its prey. Yeah, indeed. It's very cool. Um, story-wise, one of my favourites. You can see it being a kind of sci-fi horror movie. Oh, yeah. Um, just that story alone. Um, but yeah, I like the Red Terror. Right, on to The Parasite of Mortrex. Um, so The Parasite of Mortrex is a bat-winged tyranid creature of great infamy. The Parasite of Mortrex is the size of a tyranid warrior that has a barbed tail tipped with a hollow tube, uh, like a snake's fang. Uh, this fang is capable of implanting its spiked but still living victims with ripper parasites. Within minutes, and in some cases a few hours, the ripper parasites mature and devour their hosts from the inside out, bursting forth to murder all they can in, a, in the sudden panic that erupts. So again, kind of alien, yeah. chest burster, but yeah. a bunch of them. A bunch of them. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, the parasite of Mortrex was first encountered on the Imperial Fortress world of Mortrex in the Ultima Segmentum. And this is where you realise the lack of imagination of a lot of these creatures. <laughs> the Dagon Overlord of High Fleet Dagon and the Parasite of Mortrex that's found on Mortrex. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some get, like, the Red Terror gets a cool name, 
but some yeah. others they just clearly whoever got to name it wasn't as imaginative yeah um the the solid imperial guard defenses of uh, the imperial fortress world held back the tyranid invasion for days until the 10th day when the parasite first attacked each victim it claimed added to the swelling horde of rippers and soon only armoured units dared to leave the fortress walls. Two weeks later, the planet was completely overrun by vast swarms of rippers. A single transmission was sent out as the planet fell, warning specifically of the parasite of Mortrex. That this thing's so deadly that we must tell someone about it. Not just we all died, but we all died because of this one organism. Mm. I think that's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, it's cool. And this is the one of the newer Tyranid models that came out in the latest release, which I am very excited Ooh. for. Sam? Death Leaper. Again, quite, quite imaginative name. So the Death Leaper is a lictor created by the High Fleet Leviathan as the ultimate Tyranid weapon of fear and terror. Um, it was seen as a new strain of lictor with the advanced chameleonic abilities which allow it to be all but completely invisible. In the reports of the Battle of Medusa 5, it was stated to be uh, to not be one creature, but a whole strain, and there seemed to be at least one per hive swarm on Medusa 5. This contradicts the creature being truly unique. It is even theorised that the High Fleet Baromoth was heading to Medusa 5 with the main objective to absorb the Lictor, or the, sorry, the Death Leaper, strain into their forces. Whether the Death Leaper is a one-of-a-kind Tyranid creature or simply a new strain it uh, is still disputed by the Imperial Imperium officials uh, of the Ordo Xenos. Ultramarine Sergeant Eremus believed the Death Leaper to be one of the first examples of a, a new evolutionary step for the Tyranids. It, uh, it was feared that if the Tyranids were able to reabsorb the Death Leaper and reproduce it uh, into all high fleets, the Tyranid Vanguard would become virtually undetectable. At the end of the campaign, a Death Leaper creature was captured by Imperial forces but then vanished. Imperial investigations hint that the Death Leaper escaped into space aboard a freighter, killed the crew, and escaped aboard a second ship that came to investigate. Terrifying. As any good alien. As any good alien does. I, I, I really like the Death Leaper. I think he's a, he's a, really, cool, a really cool model, a really cool um, character. And I think that um, GW, certainly in the editions we played, did really well to... Um, be able to show his ability to disappear and reappear on on the tabletop. Yeah, you used to have a really cool rule where you would minus like weapon skill, ballistic skill, and leadership, I believe, off of a, a chosen character. Yeah, and um, there's also a really cool story that um what wasn't in that in that bit of notes, but um where a deaf the deaf leaper like appears um and murders everyone but the leader. Um, and he does it day after day after day, like kills his security detail, kills his advisors, but leaves the leader alive. And they assumed after the fact that the reason that was is because the planet were so afraid of the Tyranid menace that was coming because there wasn't a full attack yet. Like the whole high fleet hadn't turned up in force, but they saw their leader just become fractious and broken and paranoid. And that like scared the hell out of all of them. And so when the High Fleet did turn up, they were already broken and easily fell victim mm. because they didn't have a good leadership. Whereas if he'd just come in and killed the leader, 
the next strongest guy would have taken control. Yeah. And it doesn't have as much of an effect. And it just really buys into that whole like terror and fear side of the Death Leaper. I think it's a short story. I remember oh, reading somewhere. But it's such a fun like like you could again see a kind of movie yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. short film about that story. It was really, really cool. Cool. Right. The final one we're gonna talk about. Come from High Fleet Dagon. Again. The Mist Reaper. I think you found your high fleet. I yeah. found my high fleet, yeah, clearly. Um, this is uh, another Lictor, uh, and this was encountered on the world of Zion in the Jericho Reach. Uh, so named for its use of the mists of Zion to mask its stealthy approach, hence the name Mist Reaper. Uh, it is a mysterious predator only encountered on this planet by the Imperial forces and is responsible for many of the recent recorded disappearances. <laughs> like how it says disappearances, not deaths, because mm. they're not sure. Uh, it's known to lurk at the boundary of small communities, uh, taking those that venture into the mists. Uh, under the cover of darkness and the sulfurous fog, it has been known to abduct people from the city itself. And just wandering the streets. Yeah. Mad. I'm just, oh, yep, I'll have that one. Going um, shopping. Going shopping in the, in the fog. It seldom leaves identifiable remains, uh, which means that most citizens are unaware of the Tyranid incursion. It prefers to attack from ambush, like most lictors, striking in areas where cover and concealment opportunities are abundant. Uh, it is believed by the biologists that this creature has a specific knack for overcoming Imperial security measures. Like more common lictors, it has the chameleonic scales, rendering it practically undetectable to the naked eye, ultraviolet and infrared light, and it is armed with scything talons and flesh hooks. Ooh. Flesh hooks just sound so... Duh. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah, but they're not that great. No. The, the lictor death leaper... Although they had very characterful rules, they really never had the punch to go mm. behind it that you would want. You know, like I think now, like, you know, it's basically like every other unit can do. They just appear within nine inches and can assault. And you're like, I've, I've picked cool. the Death Leaper as mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll hear more about the Death Leaper in a moment. So I chose, this is on the tabletop, I should say, sorry, uh, moving into our tabletop section of the spotlight. Um, this was which one would you field and why um, we're going to try and comment a little bit on the model uh, as well as the rules and just kind of have a bit of a conversation so I chose the Parasite of Mortrex uh, mainly as I love the new model I mm -hmm. think it's really dynamic and looks really great uh, it's also one of my favourites along with the Doom and Malantai back when I first got into Tyranids. Yeah. It was the Mortrex with the kind of chest burster, alien vibe, as well as it being like this bat-winged, come down from the sky, stab you, run off, but you're already dead. You just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. um, as well as the Doom, who kind of sucks the life force. Like They were the two characters I absolutely loved. Um, uh, Rules-wise, the Parasite of Mortrex is really fluffy. It's fast, it's not too tanky due to its wings and its stature being only kind of warrior-sized. Uh, but the most ex exciting part for me is that they birth Ripper Swarms from the victims in combat, mm -hmm. which is great. 
Uh, so that rule is called parasitic infection. Um, and it, it's this. Each time an attack made with this weapon, which is its tail, um, and wounds an enemy unit, excluding vehicles, uh, that unit suffers one mortal wound, in addition to any normal damage, and becomes infected with parasites. At the start of your opponent's command phase, for each enemy unit that is infected with parasites, your opponent must roll 1d6. On a 1 to 3, they suffer the unit suffers d3 mortal wounds, but is no longer infected with parasites. On a 4 to 6, the unit being rolled for suffers d3 mortal wounds, but remains infected. If that unit suffers two or more mortal wounds as a result of this ability, this phase, you set up a new friendly Ripper Swarm on the battlefield within three inches of that unit. Obviously not within engagement mm-hmm. range. Uh, the Ripper Swarm unit count as one model, and if you are playing a game that uses the points limits, it does not cost any reinforcement points. Uh, you know, this is just totally thematic and really cool. And it's not game-breaking. Yeah. Like they brought out this model and you thought, oh, they're going to make this super powerful. But you get one Ripper Swarm and they don't ever get a chance to like clamber together. Mm. They're just distractions. Like you have to deal with that Ripper Swarm, otherwise it will tie you into combat. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And the more treks, if it just goes blindly into assault without any backup... It will die. Yeah. You will infect a squad, probably, but that'll be it. So you've got to play it carefully. It's not like this absolute, you know, unkillable beast that also spawns rippers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, double tick from uh, GW. Good rules that are thematic, but not game-breaking, and an excellent model. Nice. Cool. Um, I picked the Death Leaper. Uh, I've always liked these, these, um, these models and then kind of like... The, the fear that they bring or would bring mm. to something if you were like running through a warehouse or something and the yeah, death oh was yeah. there. I would absolutely wee myself. Um, so as for rules, um, they have the fear of the unseen, which is whilst this enemy unit is of an engagement reign of this model, um, that unit cannot be selected for stratagems used by your opponent and that unit cannot be affected by stratagems used by your opponent uh, when that unit is selected to shoot or fight. Nice. So it... it, it especially where stratagems are quite a big deal in, in 40k. Um, I think that's quite a good one that they can't be targeted. Flesh hooks give them the ability to ignore um, height terrain. So whereas in 40k you oh. measure up to, over, and then down the mm-hmm. other side, you basically ignore that with flesh hooks. You just go straight. You can just climb really fast. Basically, yeah. That's cool. Hidden hunter. During this deployment, you can set up this model in hiding instead of setting on the battlefield. If you do so, then the reinforcement step of one of your movement phases, you can set up this model wholly within six inches of the battlefield edge or any terrain feature more than nine inches away from the enemy model. Um or six or yeah whatever uh and until the end of the turn you can re-roll charge rolls made to this model so it means it could just appear nine inches away from the enemy and then you could viably get a charge and yeah. then re-roll that charge if need be i like this but it's weaker than its previous rule mm. which previous wall was you can just appear two inches away which i, I you couldn't I, assault you couldn't assault, but you appeared two inches. But I'll, I'll take the assault over not not no. assaulting because it's not it's an assaulting unit. So this is the same rule it had in the previous edition. Yeah, I've played this many times and it never makes combat. It's nine inches. It just dies from Overwatch. But you can't be. Um, uh, duh, duh, duh. So 
You're nine inches away. So it won't in this edition. It won't die from Overwatch because you can't choose that. Yeah, stratagem. I mean, yeah, that's you uh, know you're not within engagement range. No, no, that's heresy, Neil. There is in 40k you can Overwatch everything, right? Uh, no, it's a no. uh, uh, stratagem now. Yeah. Or command oh. points. You have to spend command points. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so yeah, yeah you so this edition then. it might be better, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. in what are we up to now ninth, aren't we? Yeah. So in eighth. Seven. Seventh. seventh and eighth it had that rule yeah, yeah and you used to bring it in and you could only i think you can only snap fire at it yeah but it still just died okay so with the fear of the unseen then if it is a stratagem you can't overwatch this so it means yeah but you have to be get within you have to be in range. engagement range which so, means you're in combat yeah oh so I, see, it, I see it's, i see it's i prefer being very very close yeah if it still has a rule where you can only snapshot at it then I'd rather be two inches away, take all the snapshots in the world and probably still be alive to charge yeah. rather than get shot at, lose some wounds, get yeah. into combat and die in that combat. But I, I don't think you would. So anyway, let's go through the rest of the rules first. So you can reroll charge dice. Um, you can appear nine inches away or six inches of any battlefield edge um, or terrain feature that's more than nine inches away. Yeah, sure. Um, at the start of the uh, fight phase, if the model is within engagement range of any enemy units, it can fight in that phase. So that's yeah, nice. It, it fights fight. first, which is really powerful. Like that, it didn't have that before. Um, while an enemy unit is within six inches of this model, the enemy unit cannot start to perform actions. Um, each time an attack is made against this model, subtract one from the attack's hit roll. While the model is in receiving the benefits of cover, it cannot be uh, selected as the target of range attacks more than twelve inches away. Um, and then it also gets a four-up invul save. Yeah, they've they've definitely buffed this. It never had the four-up invul. It was like a five or a six, like, yeah. um, and it used to have a five-up armor save. Now it's got a four-up. Yeah. So yeah, this is a much better stat line than it used to have. And I generally think nine inches. If you if you if you are combining that with other things that are charging in, yes, to use those um to use those stratagems instead, then this could be viable. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm just going to walk towards you and murder you. Yeah. Like you said, I think it is balanced. This thing isn't, it's not impervious to dying. Yes. But I think it is a lot harder, um, especially with a two plus weapon skill. Mm. Like, I mean, ha- it just having an invul. It never used to have an invul. No. Like that was a thing. It, ne- it was a five up armor save yeah. with no invulnerable mm. save, but yeah. you had to snapshot at it. Well, yeah. I mean, a rapid fire squad of bolters with twenty shots. Yeah, it's only got four or five wounds. You were gonna seven wounds. Unless it's now rolling yeah. the dice. Yes, rolling. that's true. But yeah. yeah, so they've they've really given it better survivability, which probably makes it much more versatile yeah. than it used to be. That's cool. Yeah, cool. Neil? Um, so I've picked the Dagon Overlord. Uh so there's no character for it. There's no model, there's no rules. So oh. I've had to go Flavor Town with this. Mm. Okay. Um, so not really know enough about Tyranids in general. I had to sort of trawl through everything to try and find something <laughs> that would fit. Um, so it is a, a fluff-based Hive Tyrant. Um, so we picked Hive Fleet Gorgon. Oh, okay. Uh, so that I could get adaptive toxins. Oh, is that uh, like their Hive Fleet trait? Yes. So these are basically a different name, High Fleet Day yeah. yeah. So each time an attack is made by this model with this adaption uh, or adaptation, a unit excluding vehicles and titans, it wounds on a four plus. 
Nice. So it's always going to wound on a four up. Um, and its warlord trait is a lethal miasma at the start of the fight phase. Roll one d6 for each enemy we unit within three uh, of this warlord on a two to five. That's weird. A two to five should be a one to five. That unit takes a mortal wound, and on the six it takes d3. It might be one is just one nothing. Is nothing. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, so on two to five it takes one mortal wound, on a six it takes d3. Uh, I gave it toxin sacks. Nice. So it would auto wound in melee if it rolls a six to hit. To hit. Nice. And adrenal glands to give it one inch extra movement and one extra strength. Which kind of just buffs it from a yeah. normal hive tyrant. Yeah. And also it just kind of helps build up that it's a little bit more angry. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes the overlord because yeah. it's got a little bit quicker and a little bit stronger. I like it. It's cool. It's cool. No wings. No wings. Yeah, it makes sense. Not talked about having wings. No. Just cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that's really cool. It fits. Um, having that adaptive toxins probably isn't that strong for it, but no. it's there for the fluff. Yeah. But also, if High Fleet Gorgon get that, that's great for your Hormigants, your Termigants, which you're going to have swarmed around mm-hmm. it because yeah. that's kind of the effect. Yeah. And like I said earlier, Choosing the psychic powers that buff your units and hinder your opponents rather than the standard attack ones, I think would be really cool in a way of carrying that uh, lore further. But yeah, that was was cool. That was very cool. Um, And that's the the named Tyranid Beasties Mm -hmm. uh, that we covered. I hope you enjoyed it. It was nice to cover a Xenos and do some Tyranid stuff. I always love the Tyranids. Something about them that I always come back to when it's 40k. Um, so, yeah, certainly very cool. Sam's going to dust his Tyranids off now. Yeah, I was, it's either <laughs> dust them off or sell them all, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you never know. You never know. Right, never we will uh, take a quick break and then we will come back with our book club. Bookie Wookie Club. The tendrils of the warp are far-reaching and communicating using the great social media anonymicon. Do I? What's that? Do I have to say that? Yeah, it's a keeper anonymicon. Anonymicon. Anyway, it's apparently never been easier. Reach out and connect. Find them on the Adeptus Terror podcast page on Facebook. www.facebook.com forward slash the Adeptus Terror podcast and the Adeptus Terror Podcast Community Safe Room Facebook group, www.facebook.com forward slash T-A-T-P Safe Room. You can also connect to them on Instagram to see some of what they get up to in between episodes at the Adeptus Terror Podcast. Give these losers a break and please give them a like and a follow. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, and this is the book club. Um, so this episode, we are looking at uh, GW or Black Library, I should say, forte into the genre of horror. Yeah. So I believe this is their first horror book that they released. Um, I'm not entirely sure if that's the case. One of the earlier ones, definitely know that. Um, and it is 
titled Sepultorum, which is a hard word to pronounce. Which is weird, right? Because they've got nine horror books. Oh, they have now. They have got nine. But a lot of them focused on, from looking at them, focus on the fantasy side, which I think is probably a lot easier to write for. Yeah. Then, yeah. perhaps, because if you think about horror, um, like Frankenstein, etc., they're all kind of yeah. In that kind you can of do like mythical period, right? creatures, spells, all sorts of things, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you get similar opportunities in sci-fi, but we will get on to oh, horror in the grim dark. They should have written a book about the Red Terror, but you know. Yeah, I mean, Tyranids really would suit well with horror. Yeah. Um, especially like Lictors, Death Leapers. Like the short story I talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Interesting. This, terror. this book is no longer available. Oh, really? No. Mm. Interesting. Weird. Um, so we're going to kind of do our standard kind of book review. It always slightly changes. We're always trying to tweak how we do book yeah. reviews. Um, none of us are specialists in English or anything like that. So um, to, to kind of review a book professionally would be a little bit weird. Uh, we just talk about the book that we've read. Um, talk about the characters in the book, some of the some discussion points that we might pull out, um, which I've put together for this one, and then a couple of cool moments that we found. Um, so we're we're just going to kind of go go down that road, and hopefully uh, you guys enjoy it. Um, obviously, if you want to go and listen or or read the book, it's apparently very difficult to get because it don't, no longer exists. Well, it doesn't exist on it doesn't exist on Games Workshop website, but Games Workshop have done that really weird thing where they're like. Cool. Some of our books are on the Games Workshop website. Some of them are on the Black Library website. We're not going to tell you what the differences are, <laughs> but good luck. Yeah. Um, so Sep- I'm sure it's, prob- it's probably still available yeah. on Audible. It's still, it's, they've still got to. the audio book and they've still got the ebook. Yeah. I think they just don't print it anymore. They seem yeah, to have like, sense. with Games Workshop, I've noticed after trying to get all the heresy books, yeah. they seem to have like a really short run of, of print and then go, right. cool, have an ebook. It's, a, it's than... a way of saving money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it, right? But it just means that unless you. I think what I'm getting to now is if you want one of the books or think you may want the book in the future, just buy it now. Yes. Like, because yeah. otherwise it's just going to disappear. Well, it creates sales in that sense. Yeah. It's just a bit, a bit crappy, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Because it means that you, it takes, if you don't yeah. get it, you don't get it. Or you buy something that actually you go, oh, I didn't actually really want this after I've now looked at it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wanted to get it out of FOMO. Well, it's <laughs> like, the, from what I can yeah. tell with the Black Library website, they only sell ebooks and um, audiobooks. Whereas the Games Workshop website is what sells actual physical paper books. But like, so for the, the, um, the, what's it called? We were just talking about it. The, um, the next Heresies series. Siege of Terror. Siege of Terror, there we go. Um, the Siege of Terror books are all on the Black Library website, but they're also on the Games Workshop website. Because they're new. But it doesn't make sense. Like, why not just have one, either get rid of the Black Library website and have Black Library website on there. Or, yeah, it's just a bit stupid. Hmm. Anyway, 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 on to Sepulturum. Um, so uh, this is kind of my self-writing of a synopsis of a book. Um, Zombies and the Inquisition. Um, the ragtag survivors trying to make sense of what's going on while simply trying to survive the pallid, which is kind of the name they give the zombie hordes in this book, uh, as well as some cult mechanicum stalkers and the divine, a zealous cult which seem to be claiming power after the mess and massacre of the quote-unquote zombies. And that's kind of a, a messy synopsis of, you know, not giving anything away, but a bit of a messy book. <laughs> um, mm. 
we're going to go through the characters. Now, the way I've done this is I've kind of put the main occurrences within the character profiles. Sure. Um, so as we discuss, we can discuss bits of the book. And then I have some themes that I would rather get into, like the horror genre within 40K. We touch on the threads as a whole of the different characters because like most Black Library books, you have multiple threads that kind of, you know, you've got your main character, but you've also got like this side quest going on and at some point they may meet or not. Yeah. Um, so we're going to discuss that a bit. So that all comes into play a bit later on. Um, so our characters, we start off with Inquisitor Morgravia, who's kind of our central character of the book, a female Inquisitor. Um, we meet her um, with a fractured mind, uh, with a loss of memory. Uh, she's quite an intriguing character because of that. And she has an unswerving loyalty to the Emperor, as you would expect from an Inquisitor. Um, she is found right at the beginning of the book, um, kind of untied from a surgeon's table. She's all scarred up and wounded, but has no idea why she was there and what she was investigating at the time of abduction. Yeah. And her, most of her team are, are dead at this mm -hmm. point. Um, one of her team who is still alive is Hell, who is a death cult assassin. Um, we find out very quickly that this is Morgravia's daughter who was given to the death cults and became an assassin and now serves Morgravia. Uh, she has like this childlike joy for killing um, and almost a robotic kind of stature on emotions throughout the story. She doesn't really mm. show any. I found their relationship really weird. Mm. Like, obviously, I... It's kind of supposed to be. It's meant to be. It's... She gave up her daughter to go join a death cult. Yeah, who like, then I... comes back as this, like, emotionless murderer. Yeah, so she kind of felt like... It, it kind of felt like she was craving that kind of um, matriarchal uh, attention from, from, from her mother. Yeah, um, who kept saying, don't call me mother. Who kept saying, don't call me mum. <laughs> Which I, I couldn't tell whether that was because it, no one else was meant to know that she had a kid. I don't know whether well, in no, the position I, they're I meant to. I think it's or... because she didn't remember because her mind was fractured. It's only at the end of the book when oh, I ev see. everything okay. so I didn't think clicks that. into place yeah. that she realised that's why yeah. at the end so of the book this. I thought it was because um, she now regrets what she did and found it too hard to be like i was never a mother to you i gave you up look what they turned you into i'm in deep regret but i can't share that because that would be disloyalty to the emperor and the cause and everything else so i i now just try and disassociate myself as your mother because it's too hard for me to bear yeah that's how i as an emotional reaction to the horror that is in front of her where i turned my child into this mm. and now i feel bad but I can't admit that because she's technically a tool of the emperor and mm. holy and righteous. And so that's a good thing, right? But I still regret it. Yeah. That's why I got from it. Thinking of a mother daughter kind of bond that w doesn't exist, but she wishes did kind of a, a deeper emotional well, kind of thing. That's, that's what I saw it as anyway. Um, you also have Aram Drover who is a hired gun of the broker. We'll get to the broker in a moment. Uh, he was charming, quite funny, skilled at his job. Um, and he has the best kind of twist in the book, in my opinion, uh, where we actually find out that he's kind of an assassin himself who, take, who took the, the payment for a hit that was put out on an unsanctioned psyker who he possibly expected or, or definitely learned was the broker, mm. this other character who he was currently being paid to defend 
Um, so I like that twist. That was a cool twist in the book. Um, then you have the broker, who is this mech adept, um, or at least thought to be, who ends up being this unsanctioned psyker who Mulgravy is trying to find to unlock her memories. Um, she's kind of on her own side. She doesn't seem good or bad. She wants off the planet, and that's kind of the deal she makes with Morgravia. If you use your inquisitorial power to get me off world, I can take you to the Psyker, obviously, which is her, but she's keeping mm. that a secret because she knows people are out to kill her. Um, there's not really much about her character. Yeah, when it, I, I think it was quite cool because you, you see... Um, you see the Inquisitor meeting Drover mm. in order to be taken to the broker. Yes. In order to, because the promise of, ah, oh, you, you can unlock my mind because she's a tech adept and, yes. and she clearly has a, a tool, but actually it's, it's her psychic abilities. Um, so I, I, I kind of, I wasn't underwhelmed when she, when she was who she was. Like, I think she, the character was written really well and, mm. and, and actually it was this whole out for yourself. Clearly that's, she's a psycho. She doesn't want the Imperium to know because the old black ship thing. Yeah. Um, so, it made sense that she was like, yeah, I'm a tech adept. Yes. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were lots of kind of theories going through who she might have really been and then she obviously ends up being this psyker. Mm. Um, she's clearly cautious throughout the entire book and over the course of the book she becomes more and more kind of melancholy and fractious at her survival becomes less and less yeah. certain yeah. through the survival. Like she loses, loses her aid to the Mechanicum stalkers. Rip her, rip her aid apart, and she clearly is very broken about that. Mm. You never learn the true nature of that relationship, but whether there was a a real relationship mm. there rather than it just being a servant, um, yeah, layers and layers of deception, um, until she obviously takes a bullet to the head. Yeah. Um, you next have uh, Christo, who is a bullet maker um, now, but he has a past life that's kind of only really alluded to, but that of a soldier, it felt like. Um, especially when it links back to the end of uh, how the book ends. I always pictured him like a, um, as a, oh, what's it called? Ogryn. Yeah. Like so that kind of physique style of. Yeah, except he's clearly not because he's got human y- cognitive yeah, yeah, yeah. abilities. But, but he seemed quite clumsy and yeah. um, lumbering rather yes. than kind of like that trained, say, assassin style. Yes. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's not clearly trained. not clean, but had skills and knew how to f- hold his own I kind of said thing. clumsy like a brawler I, 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 but he kept I don't know I, I, I didn't picture him as this kind of like honed tool more of yeah. a bat mm. I, I saw him as, yeah more of a kind of a, a, a meathead who was just brawn yeah I guess that's what I mean by clumsy not like yeah. not like Tom falling over a shoelace clumsy more <laughs> like just not the precision killer just yes, kind of like yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do it with enough force yeah. and then it'll no be fine no finesse yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he had a massive physique oh. definitely I want, I've tried to put that in a couple of times oh. it just reminded me of that joke that we always used to say um, he's kind of like the white knight of the book I would say he's you know saving his daughter who's part of a gang and a fighter in the pits um, at the start of all the chaos and the pallid horde descending upon the hive and then he ends up saving a novice of the sisters battle from the monastery that's kind of nearby um, and he's kind of the character that like oh he's died no he's back oh you think he's died no no he hasn't yeah yeah until he does eventually die more on that later on mm. we will we will talk about my grievances there um we have Karina, who I've mentioned, who's a fighter, kind of like her father. She's joined a gang. 
she's very quickly and very clearly quite scared throughout the whole book. Yeah. She plays teenage daughter quite well. Um, she gets injured early on when trampled by the frightened crowd running from like the, the quote unquote zombies. Um, and only survives really because of her father. Yeah. Um, we actually get the ending of her story, which again, we will talk about when we get into the themes mm-hmm. and discussions. Um, next you have Celest- Celestia. 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 Uh, the novice sister who has this kind of great faith throughout. She's again injured and near death almost all the way through the book. Um, uh, and you can just get that sense that she's got this real uh, honest faith for the emperor. She's been trained well at the monastery, shall we say, um, all the way until the end and when she's killed by this heretical cult, the divine. Um, she carries a relic sword, right? She kind of claims it from the monastery. She's yeah. like one of the only surviving sisters and it just never comes into play. Yeah, I, I was like, like oh, a relic make... sword. This is going to be interesting. Nothing. Like, especially with what they're fighting, I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be like really poignant mm. to the story, like kill the uber zombie or yeah, kill with the his uber like thing. sanctified blade. Yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just like, cool. I just got the nice looking sword. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we do talk. Sorry, I shall say uh, the the divine, the uh, zealous cult. We will talk about in the discussion points as well. Okay. So I haven't ignored them. They didn't really have any characters. I think worth shouting out they had the priest guy but there wasn't much about him really no um so that he's not listed here like this is the short list there's always more characters but these are like the the main ones that i think are worth mentioning um next we have barak and jaina um or barak i should probably say or barak um they're a couple who own the bar in this kind of hive town um uh barak is friends with christo and that's kind of a, a link that doesn't really play out in the story, but we are aware of it. Um, and they're kind of central. The bar is quite central to the early parts of the book. This is where Morgravia meets with the broker. This is where Drover is. And this is where th- all these characters are when the horde initially erupts through the town. Um, until they kind of eventually split up to go to Uphive, which is like the next decent hive up, I guess, <laughs> why it's called Uphive. Um, and get to safety. I think in the story they really represent the kind of normal people. Like yeah, yeah. In any horror, like mm. if you when you think of horrors, the heroes and the villains all tend to meet their match and die either heroically or villainously. Um, and it's normally the kind of in between the standard people, the last few that tend to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think. Sorry, to say your next point because then that, that kind of leads. I was saying so. Barrack was a former enforcer for the Imperium. And his training, skills, and knowledge are kind of leaned upon at moments throughout the story that involve him. So he has like a shotgun behind his bar that's like his old weapon. He yeah. breaks that open to use in their uh, defense of, of the bar, which eventually they get out of some of them and you know have to burn it or it sets on fire. I can't remember the exact happenings. And then they go to the old precinct, which he used to work at. Yeah. Yeah, and he knows some of the, you know, I'll go down there for the armory and go here yeah. for that. Yeah. So he's kind of leaned upon that previous life. Uh, but he's just a, a guy who's living, making a living in this hive. He's not some special... No, he's not a special name character. He is just a support element that gives mm. them a, a safe place to stay and then guides them through the yeah. armory park, guides them through the police prison. And then I, a driver of the truck. And, yeah, yeah, he, he does he, he's, he's, useful things. There's a, there's a, a, a term in, um, in story writing 
basically like the different styles of, of, of how you write characters. Yeah. And he's basically like the uber support character that carries yeah. the story or enables the story to be carried through. Yeah. Like Jaina is kind of pointless. It's yeah. Just give him flavor. She's but a, he, a weak wife who gets injured and is nearly dead and yeah, 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 yeah. needs caring. And it shows him being like a loving husband and a, yeah. kind of a, a normal guy, right? Like you're not going to want your wife to die to yeah. a bunch of zombies. No. So you're going to fight for her survival and it's kind of gives him motivation. But he's mm-hmm. basically just the retired, retired police officer. That's, can't retire because you never retire in in 40k you become yeah else. i was interested to we never got any kind of and i understand why but no backstory on why he stopped being that like enforcer police wasn't officer. His, it wasn't his age didn't he get it wasn't his age or didn't get injured i uh, might have got injured maybe but anyway he becomes this barman who yeah. then because of his skill he has the ability to slightly defend people and then all these ragtag group come in and then he's basically the the guide through the rest of the yeah. story like i i thought he was cool i think he was definitely better than like jayna was kind of like a oh yeah and he's got a wife yeah rather yeah. than it being yeah. any yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. actual real point i don't really see her yeah. doing anything apart from being away yeah. i think she was just there to give him extra reason to want to leave stay with these people get, yeah get to the very archive. very true otherwise very if true. she wasn't there he might have well gone with more gravier in hell yeah. at the end, but they yeah, yeah. split off because he's like, I need to get my wife to safety. It makes sense. And it gives a reason for them not to take a hanger on. Yes. Like continuing in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes yeah. sense. Makes yeah. sense. That's why th- she's just a foil for him. Yeah. Really. Next is probably my favorite character. This oh, okay. Interesting. That's good. So we have Falcom and Karata. So Falcom is basically a fat rich man. Yep. Um, who's just horrible. <laughs> yeah. And he has his hired killer who's Karata. Um, there isn't too much about their characters. They're just villainous, really. Like I know there wasn't too much about their characters that stood out that I think needs mentioning. I loved it. I yeah. thought he was great. I thought uh, it, like the slimy businessman oh, yeah. who basically would would try and pay his way out of any yeah, issue yeah, that he yeah, had. Yeah. I think the amount of times he was like, "If you get me out, I'll pay you money." Yeah, like it was just yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like who needs yeah. the who needs a hero when you have a guy with a big wallet? Yeah, it was it was cool to see, and they survived till kind of near the end. But you get that real sense of justice when they die, which oh, again, yeah. in, in a horror, yeah. is a trope that's often there. When the you... guy who's kind of pushing girls in front of the zombies or mm. using any trick to survive, whether it's money or whatever, yeah, yeah. sleaziness, whatever, um, eventually meets their match. You're like, oh, I'm glad that guy died. Especially when there was other loyal characters who yes. died before him, yeah. Yeah. which you're like... Good, he survived a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If only he could get out. He definitely made high. it interesting. I think without those characters, the survival elements don't seem as interesting. Wasn't he from the Uphive and he was visiting yes. Lower Hive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he I was know, down thought, there for some shady I dealings, right? he was right? from another planet. Oh, possibly. Right, he okay. doesn't speak Gothic. He speaks... Yeah, very possibly, actually. And that's why he hired oh. Karata. Well, no, Karata's from the same place. Okay. But they're, they're... I may be for mi- misremembering, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I read this bit like five months ago. Yeah, they're they're introduced as these kind of horrible characters and then they betray the group to save their own skin, which eventually ends in their demise, which is, you know, betraying each other. You know, Karata's like, this guy's broken his leg or whatever. I'm going to leave this loud fat man screaming for the zombies so I can sneak away. And then he eventually gets caught up and... Uh, Doesn't he kill himself? Doesn't he hold on to the, like, electric guard, like, um, train rails or whatever? Yes, something like that. Because that's a better death than getting eaten alive, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that. Yeah, like, totally. Zombie or death through electricity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I definitely get that. Um, but yeah, that that was cool. Uh, I think they're all the kind of characters. Yeah, for me. 
And what about zombie w- number three? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was zombie number four, but never mind. <laughs> uh, moving on to themes and discussion points. So um, we're basically going to kind of not go through the book like, you know, the story will get covered and there will obviously be spoilers. There already has been some. Um, but we're going to talk about the start of the book, the three different threads that I've kind of highlighted. Um, horror as a genre within this book, but also 40K in general, and then talk about the ending. Sure. And that's how we're going to kind of maneuver our way through discussion points. Um, so the start of the book, um, the different start got me quite intrigued. I don't know about you guys. Um, it displayed to me that there was this different kind of book from Black Library, which I think was quite clever. Uh, especially as it introduced a new genre to Games Workshop's writings, which was the dictionary definitions. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, they're defining these different words that, like, you know, like a grave and all these things. Didn't actually mean that it was very central to the story, really. Like, if it talked about a sarcophagus, maybe it would have done, but it didn't. Um, so it never really meant anything, but I was like, oh, why am I getting a dictionary definition? right at the beginning and again listening to it on audible it like made me sit up a bit straighter and be like oh what's going on which i thought was interesting and maybe it was put there to do that maybe Um, i I... that's fine we'll talk about that later it also explained that sepulturum is this lesser order of the inquisition which is classified within the ordo minoris which are experts of the undead or as i called it zombie studies 101 Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I like that because it one went, oh, okay, that's what the book's about. Because mm-hmm. it gave you the title and what that means. Well, Plagues of Unfaith. Yes, true. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I know those definitions made me go, oh, what's going on? And then, and then we get straight into Morgravia and, her, and the, all the questions. And I, I think it started well for me. It kind of grabbed me and I was like, okay, what's going on? Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Did you find the same thing? Did you like? So I went into this book going, I'm not a massive fan of horror. Yeah, I've never read a horror book, so I had no idea what to expect. Did you not read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? No, really, it's cool. No, I don't think so. I guess you went to school when they had when it's probably we written. did like Macbeth and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Um, Romeo and Juliet. Neil didn't even go to. school. I did Romeo and Juliet as well. Of we did. What did we do? Mice and Men, Macbeth. Uh, Midsummer Nights. Midsummer Nights Dream. No. Yeah. Did you not do Macbeth? No. Nope. Was it written at the same time and, he was in school? And yes. Romeo and yeah, Juliet. I yeah. don't think we did Macbeth, or did we? Or we might have done. I don't know. It was a long yeah. time ago. Mm. Many, many, whatever many, it was. Ago. I hated it because I was awful at English. Yes. Um, Snap. But yeah, the start of the book kind of grabbed me because it was just a bit different, and I was like, "Oh, this is different, and it's a horror, so it's different." And that made me go, "I want to listen to this." Mm. And I don't know. Not as much of an impact. Um, we'll talk about horror books later. I think, yeah. I think you, got, you got a bit lower on about horror books. So let's, yes, let's talk yeah, about yeah, them. It's, it started with a bang, which is always good. So it's something okay. different. It's not like a... Uh, right, and we're into the story. It's like, here's a... This is, this is what we're looking at. I think it's definitely... For me, it's definitely hampered by the fact that it, I listen to it on Audible. Because okay. I... I really struggle, especially books like this, where I think being able to reread bits and to understand them, for me, 
if, if I don't get something, I'll just reread that page. Or yeah. if I'm lost, I'll just reread that page. Yeah. You don't get that with Audible. And I think it's a lot easier. Like I know you sit there weirdly in the dark listening to the books, doing nothing else. But I, if it's Audible, I tend to be doing other stuff. Yeah. So like cutting the grass or driving somewhere yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I find that yeah. Audible for me isn't a great way to concentrate on what's actually going on in the book. Yeah. So either bits were missed or like, to be honest, I don't really remember the dictionary definition parts. Yeah, okay. Like, it wasn't that yeah. important to me. I mean, it was very, very quick. It was just like, what, why is there a definition? Exactly. Like- but if it was in, the, for me, if it was in the book and I read it, it would have yeah. more impact than someone just uh, reading it yeah. to me. It's funny because I'm the complete opposite. I would have just read that and forgotten that it was there, whereas listening yeah. to it made me literally go, oh, why am I getting a diff- dictionary definition? I, I also find that I... Um, I, when I'm reviewing a book and it's my job to come up with the notes, I will certainly do nothing else when I'm listening because I know I need to pay attention. Yeah, yeah I can't do Where, that. Whereas um, like if I'm not and I'm just turning up to talk about it and give a few thoughts, mm. I, I will be doing stuff. Yeah, I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Like audiobooks are super boring. Yeah, like that's if I'm reading, then it's like I'm choosing to like on the train read instead of watch Netflix, or yeah. I'm reading before bed, or I'm reading like it's it's a it's a a positive action. Yeah. Whereas Audible just feels like a oh I need to do the washing up. I'll just throw Audible on for five minutes. Yeah, like which I, doesn't work for me because I'll, I'll mm. rather than having chunks of time reading it. Yeah, see, I do that with YouTube. YouTube is what I do when I'm doing other things. Yeah, podcasts mainly. mainly. Yeah, I'm trying to get back into podcasts. Mainly because but... if I'm doing other things, like YouTube, I feel like I, ha- I want to watch the YouTube video. Like yeah. YouTube for me isn't a See, medium I'm, to have I'm, list- the background. I'm listening to it with yeah. occasional lookups to what they're doing. Yeah, but then, I don't know, maybe it's the stuff I watch. It, yeah. It's a bit more visual or they're talking about something that they're doing oh, on the screen. Like I don't feel YouTube is a background thing. Like yeah. Twitch, like what, right. listening to games play. This is cool, but we're getting away from what we're talking about here. Basically, Audible's crap for me. Yeah, fair, fair enough. enough. In summary. Fair enough. Um, moving on, we've got the different threads of the book. So 2.5, I would say, threads, because Barak and Jaina's kind of is pretty much more Graviers, but it, it, yeah. it, it, okay, it yep. does separate a little bit. What I've done is I've kind of gone more Graviers is really the, the central mm-hmm. intrigue of her memory and stuff. Whereas the barrack stuff is like the precinct battle and, and bits that involved a larger group of survivors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, which is where you'd put Falcom and Karata as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, so we're just going to look at, at the three slash two point five threads mm-hmm. and my thoughts on them, and it'd be interesting to hear your guys too. Um, now, Morgravia's kind of thread and storyline I, I found intriguing with the missing memories and trying to unravel the truth. Uh, this obviously leads her to the broker and the other characters like Parak and Jaina, Falcom, Karata, which eventually leads them to this kind of dark Mechanicum cult, the Valcast, yep. uh, who have changed her to become a, ho- a new host for their dying Magi, or Magos, however you want to mm-hmm. pronounce that one. Um, during this, we discover Morgravia has flashbacks and dreams of her operation and torture while captured, which happens just before the book starts. Yep. Um, and that eventually reveals the Mechanicum cult at hand of this. Um, Morgravia is, is led to believe that she is the reason, she's this kind of signal that sets off and started the pallid corruption, which is kind of a bit weird, like some kind of radio wave that just mm-hmm. turns everyone mental, other than some other people that don't. Like, I don't... They never really explain how the pallid really started. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
because you know like people like Christo would have become them as well surely yeah yeah, yeah. it didn't quite make sense but that was her kind of thought that she was turned into this weird like signal box and that's what they put inside her and she was the reason the pallid were even happening um this ends up being hell somehow i'm guessing when she's handed over to the death cults the mechanicum did a thingy thingy um and she ends up having to kill her own daughter and she's obviously very very sad about this and um murders the childlike killer yeah um before she goes mental her skin all like separates apart to reveal blades and scary stuff um and she murders all the valgas the seven rust stalkers and the may ghost that's there um she blasts the magi who's saying like i love you and he's she's like i'm not your mother bang which didn't quite make sense um and then rather than living she puts a bullet in her own head because she will no longer be a tool for this Mechanicum cult, who seem unbothered by the fact that she's going against their will because she's like, it won't change anything. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Uh, and that's kind of the end of their thread. To never be picked up again. Yes. Which we will get to in the ending, because possibly the biggest part of the book that I disliked was the ending for these things. Okay. It's going to be... But yeah. Yeah. So... That's kind of McGravy's story. I don't mm-hmm. think I've really left anything out. I didn't, you know, go blow by blow. Yeah. But, you know, Inquisitor, captured, tortured, turned into something else. You know, just trying to survive the zombie apocalypse while working out her memories. Mm-hmm. Eventually gets that breakthrough, finds out that she's being made for something else, chooses to stay loyal to the Emperor and, and not deviate to the point where she kills her daughter and kills herself. Yeah. End of Inquisitor's story. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Cool. What did you guys think of that thread? Was it grabbing you? Was it intriguing the whole time? Did you get bored of it? Did you like the way she I, ended or I, not? Or? I thought they'd do more with it, personally. Mm. I remember when I was listening to this and then the whole book ended, I was like, oh, it's the end. Yeah, mm. it does kind of... Just end. Do you know what? Abruptly. Which, I mean, it's kind of cool for a zombie, for a zombie mm. style genre. Like, that is it. Like, you could very easily understand that well, the narrator is, is it? the narrator has been eaten like i don't know whether because they brought out more horror books i don't know whether the story yes, continues I, in those. like as a, as a as a single book i just i felt like it was cool but it just ended mm. it, I, I think this book would be better with the light of something coming next involving this main character mm. but they just went no we're just gonna get rid of her which is yeah. fine s- single story not everything has to be a trilogy or no, some no, series, exactly, you know. Yeah. But I just felt like maybe that's because of like things like Eisenhorn and things like Inquisitors tend to hang around. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, next book we're going to see her wrestling with this new nature that she's got. She's like some Mechanicum monster within her skin, and can she learn to control it? And da 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 da. And she has to keep it secret, but then other Inquisitors see her transform, or mm. like you could have done some interesting things that I think would have been like, oh, yeah, that all started from this story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas it was, they just went, no, it's a single story, single story mm. character, done. Which I don't hate, but I also don't like. But we'll get to why I don't I like think, it in a bit. I think the most intriguing part was the fact that she had these visions, this, these moments red of dream, as the red dream where she collapses into remembering something's happened but she doesn't quite know where mm. this is coming from yeah 
Yeah, I thought it was it was an interesting choice to have Mechanicum. Yeah, at the the kind of the heart of it. It makes sense though because they're the ones that can't be turned. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just didn't expect it. Right. I don't know why. Just I think have entered my head to have like a kind of. I can imagine it more that they caused it, and with experimentation rather than this mm. kind of like nefarious cult of whatever. Um, I feel like actually the Mechanicum could have done it with a machine they were trying to maybe mm. reanimate humans to get them to serve them. Something to do with like, I don't know, um, servitors, etc. Yeah, I, I think when, when it was revealed, it made sense. It wasn't like, oh, this is weird. I just never expected it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So next we have the kind of uh, Christo and Friends, as I've called it. Um, so this is kind of a total side quest which had some cool moments and involved the kind of main play around the zealous heretical cult, mm. the Divine, mm. um, who I think worked as a good deflection from the Mechanicum reveal. Because you were like, oh, maybe these guys are doing some chaos magic or doing yeah, something yeah. crazy that's causing the Pallid Horde. Because uh, you find the mask in the precinct and yeah. uh, the, the scribe guy who lets the zombies that are stuck in the precinct out and then gets murdered yeah. <laughs> by those zombies. Um, things like that are happening and you're like why is that happening why is that happening oh it all seems to be pointing towards this heretical cult yeah so I thought they were a good foil for that but didn't actually end up adding up to much no um, you could have cut this whole thread from the book okay doesn't affect anything when you think about it there's the final few lines with Karina who is going off to be a soldier and survives but it but it ended I don't think you could cut it completely. I think it ended that story arc, right? Because they were yeah. all together in the, I think the bar. To have, well, Christo and that's no, never there. No, they, they never engage the, with they, the other group. They get oh. to the bar. This is the thing. They, actually... they go to the bar and they see it burnt down. They're like, oh, my friend Barak used to own that. I hope he's okay. Oh, he must be dead. But, oh, sorry. But they yeah. never actually engage. This is just Christo, Corinna and uh, Celestia. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cult. You need the story for the cult. You need the story for the, the cult foil so that you don't immediately get the Mechanicum reveal, mm-hmm. which for the length of book, you, I guess you needed. Otherwise, it's like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, Whereas yeah. at least in this, you're going, what's going on? Oh, it must be this cult. Oh, no, it's not this cult. They're just completely unseparate thing. Yeah. So you need it for that. But technically, there's not much. Like the, the sword doesn't come into play. Not some holy relic that's no. eventually picked up by Morgravia or anything like that. Um, the only thing is Karina survives. That's the only bit of thread that carries on in, in, for this thread, which mm-hmm. is a shame because as the character goes, I really like Christo, wants to be a good man, has some regrets. You know, like he has to kill a bunch of jealous people because he's making more bullets than them and they look bad. So he has to kill them mm-hmm. and burn the bodies because he doesn't want to become a servitor. Mm. You know, like all that stuff. Um, uh, Celestia had this really cool like faith and she had this relic blade and I was like oh wow what what if she turns into a saint what if she gets out and becomes the head of the new order and you know kind of um makes Christo this kind of like white knight character that people remember through the sagas and Mm. stories of faith she will tell oh no she's dead um there were lots of this and it and it the problem is I actually think that the way they ended this section was awful Yes. Because you have Celestia, they're captured by the heretical cult. Celestia will not denounce her, her faith in the Emperor 
and calls them out for being heretical and they burn her alive. Yeah. Christo then decides, I'm going to sacrifice myself and kills the priest and drags him down into the fire with him. End it there. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is they fall into some water that's underneath where they've set up this church. So the fire's now out. The priest is dead. His neck got twisted, died in the fall, whatever. He's dead, fine. Celestia's pulled out of the cage in the water. She says, you're a good man, and then dies. Um, Christo leaves the blade with her. So that's the end of... That's just left in some pit. Pit, never to be seen again. Or is it? Um, And then Christo walks up some stairs, comes across the dying Magi, who sticks her tendrils down his throat, realises it's not compatible, and he dies. Yeah. And you're like, what did that, why do we need to know that? And he's never mentioned again. It's not like Morgravia gets there and goes, oh, who was this man? Yeah. Like, she's just not even it, acknowledged it, that there's I, a well, body I, in the guess, She does. But I guess... She does. does she, yeah, maybe yeah, I missed that. She, the, they enca- yeah. As they come into the thing, there's a mention of encountering what looked like possibly... Oh yes, of... there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. it's 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 a a very. But she she'd never met him, so no. it's not even like oh that was my friend or yeah. he was a good man. It's yeah. a, it's like, a nothingness. Yeah, I just I would have rather him just die into the inferno, killing the priest as a good man. Yeah, and Celestia burned alive, and that's horrific, and it's a horror book. Yeah, so I would like. Yep, yeah, cool. Yeah, I I think like and you could have still had Karina getting the keys from the guard and getting out and all the madness that ensues mm-hmm. and basically wipes out the cult. Like, that can all still happen and all that jazz. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could have still had everything else happen, but the, the half a chapter I think what, what happened, was weird. What, what, what it meant was that in this situation, evil didn't win. Like, yeah. she was saved. She died of her wounds, but she was saved, and it, she wasn't sacrificed in what the cult wanted yeah. to do because she wasn't on fire. Yeah. And with him, it was the all good people die. Yeah. Yeah. In this book, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like, just yeah, because yeah. you're a good person doesn't yeah. mean you won't die. Yeah, I, I think part of horror in general has a futility about it. Yeah. Like, life does end and people do yeah, die. Yeah. And, and it's a bit like, so people always hate on the Cersei and uh, Jamie death in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. They, like, die in the rubble of the castle. Mm. But the inglorious way of dying felt more natural than having a, you know, like paraded and eaten by a dragon or something yeah. like it was like actually but, but that's exactly what's happened here yeah like he that's was gonna saying, he I'm was agreeing. gonna be the, he was gonna be the the, the the savior he was going to kill the priest and he he sacrificed himself he didn't sacrifice himself he yeah. survived and he managed to get someone the, the the what's her name out of the fire and and she died she sadly died and yeah. then he died as a nameless person who although he was a great man mattered nothing to the imperial yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, the and will just never be remembered. Yeah, wasn't other, other than by his daughter. Other than by his daughter, which yeah. is fine because that's nice. No, um, but I think it actually it was probably a really great okay. death. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that deeply. It would, it wound me up because I thought her burning alive, but him wanting to like avenge her and take out the priest to stop the madness. I felt like that was good enough. Yeah. Like, and it still does everything you said. But the more you, you laid it out like that, I'm like, oh, actually, I, I see the reason. Especially with the whole world being consumed by zombies as well. Like that whole area. But yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. 
not as as big as the whole world at least not yet um so yeah so you have that whole thread that you i think you could eliminate and you don't lose too much other than some of the points that you just brought up um i guess the only thing is if you eliminated all of their thread you would cut out what two three two hours of the book an hour of the book yeah yeah which they they're there to i think it makes more i think it makes for a more boring book yeah yeah, 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 yeah. but then that you could say that about lots of I think what Warhammer or what happened, what Black Library do really well, or they do a lot, is you don't just have a single hero, a single character book. You've got these twisty, twir- t- twisty turns, which may not affect each other, may not touch each other, but mm. it adds depth to the world around you. Yeah. So actually, yeah, yeah, by yeah. having the, the cultists, by having the, 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 yeah. the, this group, it means that yeah. actually the world doesn't just revolve around um, the Inquisitor, the Inquisitor yeah, and, yeah. and her weird hench people from the yeah. tavern. Which also backs up why you have the cult, because then it's not just Mechanicum versus Inquisitor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I see that. Um, uh, lastly, you have the kind of subgroup of Barak and so on. Um, this thread is all wrapped up in more Gravia's kind of story and happenings. We get some cool sequences in the precinct and the bar fight, uh-huh. survival. Um, and then we split when Drover and Bro- the Broker die because Drover kills the Broker and then Morgravia kills Drover. Yeah. Um, and Morgravia gives her seal to Barak and his wife um, so they can eventually get out. Mm. They somehow find Karina. Bit weird. Which is odd. Wandering in the dark. They right? turn back. Did they turn back? They turn back. I okay. thought they go the different way and she's mysteriously there. No, no, they turn back for some reason. I can't remember exactly what it is. Maybe they would, yeah. Um, because they, yeah. they have a sense of, we should go back and help or whatever. <gasps> I get a feeling. Yeah. Um, and that's when they discover... Karina. Karina and then go, screw it, let's just go. Aimlessly. <laughs> not knowing And then they don't on. carry on going for whatever their reason was. Like, we want to see if more gravy is all right, or help her. Yeah. She's like... And they, I think it even said something like Barrack was like... Yeah, well, she's enough. probably dead. Yeah, that's enough now. Let's I'm go. sure my gravy is dead, so, you know, let's go. Um, uh, but yeah, so that was weird. Um, and they are the only three survivors yep. of our story. They are the three, Jaina, Barak, and Karina. Um, let's go into the horror bit at the end. So let's do the ending. Sure. So we, it jumps two years. And we have, an, I can't remember what his role was, so I called him the inspector from the ship. A ship is arriving to take Karina and other aspirants off to be trained as soldiers. Yes. And the inspector has some weird headache moment, which is a bit odd, and it's like, is there still a signal, and are mm. we going to get another breakout of zombie murders, mm. is what that felt like to me. Um, and, then it, and then it ends. So Karina's becoming a soldier. Barak and Jaina are there and kind of a semi-raised this teenage daughter that they never had. There's no mention of Morgravia or the Inquisition's investigation of what happened. No mention of the Mechanicum cult. No mention of the heretical cult, if it survived at all or anything. Just, we're going to just whitewash that whole story. This Karina's going to go off and become a soldier. Uh, and is there this inkling of a new breakout for with this inspector? I, I don't think they whitewashed the story. I think what they did is highlight how the Imperium just moving. futile and tiny. Yeah, it just keeps moving. Because yeah. this, this, this happened, if you think about what else is going on at this time, yeah. you've got the plague wars going on, yeah. you've got Gulliman coming back and they're dealing with all their zombies. 
there's lots of stuff that's more oh, important yeah. than this planet. I don't yeah. think they kind of go, well, that doesn't matter. I think, well, no, they do that. But I think that's because it's the Imperium, not because they're actually any yeah. real form of the Imperium or real no. major planet or real major contributor to the tithe. Yeah, well, two, two points on that. One, I completely agree, and that is a true statement and a good way to write the true nature of the Imperium and mm-hmm. the Inquisition. Yeah. Fully agree. Secondly, what was the point of me reading this story? What's the point of reading any story? Because often it, it builds to something bigger. But this, is, this might be part of a series. We don't know that. Well, like, yeah, but that's not how you continue a series, is my point. Other than somehow Karina is in the, in the space of the getting out of the prison in the cult, is captured by the Mechanicum, turned into a new signal, which is now suddenly going off because the Inquisitor has this weird moment of a, a headache and feeling weird, ill and distant-eyed. But it doesn't have to be her. It could be but, any one of the other people taken to, to fight in the Imperial yeah, Army. Yeah, possibly. Like, I, 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 but it's just like... But it, eh, even, if it is, is a, even if it is a one-shot, there are plenty of one-shot Black Library books, which take them or leave them. You don't have to read them. Yeah. And, and, and there is no point to them. They just fill in this universe of the mm. Imperium. There's normally an ending. Yeah. There was an ending. It, well, the, 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 planet was, the planet was effectively recycled. The, the tithe continues and the Imperium rolls on. Which happens in... But you don't get That's that why way. we had you Armageddon. Know, we had like how many yeah. Armageddons? Yeah, but my point is you don't get that area was completely no, burned in flame. Yeah. You don't get a sentence that just tells you what happened in the area. You just get nothing. But I, I don't think the it's Imperium... It's not like, oh, it's locked off. Or they just I, moved a bunch of new people in because who gives a shit? I don't think the Imperium can afford to burn off worlds anymore. Well, it's it's going... not a world, is it? It's a little section. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but of a wider world. So they're not going to lock off that entire section. That, that represents places people could live. That represents the upper yeah. class that was still there. That's, that's why I, I want that sentence. That's what I'm saying. That, and it explains. But you had that sentence. All right, it wasn't obvious and said, nothing's, nothing's changed. It was, we're continuing to take tithes from this world regardless of, of what's happened there. Yeah. That is the sentence. Yeah, it's not enough for me. I, I think, and this kind of ties into the horror part of the book. Horror, I think, it wasn't what I expected. I expected more... When I think of horror, I think more of slashes. I think more of, like, either demons and angels and, and, yeah. and, and like, um, the exorcist-style horror mm-hmm. or saw-style horror, hostile-style yeah. horror, which is more gore. Like, this for me was, like... This could have been a really just a normal book. They didn't have to put it on, yes. on the horror genre. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think, actually, as standard books go... If you look at like the Eisenhorn series, or if you look at any of the Space Moon battle books, which were just one-shot battle books, it kind of ended the same way. The world, the world continues its tithe. We, re, we put people on the world, or we don't put people on the world, and it just continues what it's doing. But it does have a wrap-up. But there was a wrap-up. I don't no, understand what you're saying by that. What hap- what, the Valgast, are they out there? Are they completely dead? Are they coming back? What's going on there? Well, More great, are the Inquisition looking into this or not? We have nothing. Exactly. But that's not how most it's, books end. It's a reflection of the Imperium as a whole. The only, the only yeah, kind I, of, I appreciate that. Kind I don't of, like it, is my point. I'm not fine. saying I don't understand that's it. I'm just saying it pisses me off. Oh, what fine. I feel, though, like, is that's that's all what, what they've also done, and there's a Black Library thing, is they deliberately haven't wrapped it up because if this book does, does yeah. well, they then go, Sepulchre 2. Or, yeah. or if it doesn't do well, they go, wasn't that a really nice one shot? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I just, it, it the ending that. for me was completely lackluster and had no explanation. And that annoyed me and made me think this book was pointless to listen to. 
That's that yeah, was my 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 feeling about it. Right. We can argue whether that's right or wrong. No, that's yeah. just how I felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> that's 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 cool. Um, okay. My only thoughts on that, the ending, is the fact that Barack and Jaina discover Karina wandering alone, not really knowing what's happened. Yeah, can't that's remember. true. Yeah. Maybe she's like, I've got a blade. I think something m- happened. Maybe made Did into I? a new beacon. You know, well, that's what I'm saying. There's yeah. that potential of that could hey, have happened. This book does well. She becomes a beacon. Doesn't do yeah. well. She just was found lost in the dark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that bit, I'm like, okay, there's a reason why she survives, why she was odd. Like, there's a reason for that. And, and like I say, if, if this does go on, it probably makes this book more worthwhile. Mm. Right? Because you need that bit to know the next bit. So that makes sense to me. But if you're not doing that and you haven't done that, what was the point of that? But, but, <laughs> but is that. Is that because they haven't overtly said she's a beacon? Like, no, she... I'm, I'm happy with that being open. It's the fact they didn't discuss anything. Well, they, they, they kind of did, though. No, they didn't. He... They just go oh, two on, years on, later. Two, two years later, she got on the ship. Inspector has a headache. It, it's like any, any game that, that doesn't have like a solid ending. It allows the reader to kind of go... Oh man! Imagine she's the beacon now, and now she's going off to join another world. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's what's they called? Is it subtext? Is that what they call it? I don't know. Yeah, Fancy I, word. I, yeah, yeah. But but maybe they haven't overtly gone blur because then they don't want to commit to doing another book. Yeah, well, that is two separate problems. That part I completely agree, and you set it up so there might be one, or someone can go and fan make their next one. Yeah, you know, like so that I have no problem with. I don't even know there is one. I have no problem with. All I needed was, uh, like, that happening. And or just the inspector saying, because he goes, oh, not many applicants from this place, because obviously he wouldn't know mm. that it happened. And she's like, oh, and we find out she never told Barak and Jaina about what happened in the church. And So you get a bit of roundup for her character. Yeah. But you don't get around, like, it would have been nice for him to almost go, like, why are there no one from, from this place? We normally get much more. And some guy going, that's classified by the Inquisition. That at least says the Inquisition have shut down what happened there. Mm. You know, like just something rather than just being like, well, yeah, no, we'll just don't talk about that. Actually, this book is following the, um, the plague zombies that came out of Imperium of Man, the Imperium of Man book. Yeah. So that the the focus of the Inquisitors um, in the Ordo, the one the Sepulturum, Sepulturum, whatever, um, they were created or they were focusing on zombies post yeah. the plague zombies in yeah. Imperium of Man. Okay, interesting. So it's got a link to something else going on. But, yeah, but yeah, like just for me, I just need a little bit more mm. to draw a line under what happened there. Whether it's just a nod. A subtext that says the Inquisition have wiped it from anyone's memory or, you know, whatever. Like, just something rather than just, we're just not going to mention anything. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's what kind of made me go, eh? It hasn't said that they've done any more. Like, normally it would say, yeah, like, this no, is the, this the book, next one along. Yeah. Unless it's one of those, another... Because the, the other, the, the next load of horror ones are... Um, do you want to... I, I, the, 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 again, probably an issue with Black Library and the way they do horror is it, it, it's very like the titles don't really kind of help link. Yes. So it's not like Sepularum 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. 
Sepulharum harder. <laughs> um, Good day yeah. to Sepulharum. <laughs> I mean, like, on my point of horror, to do horror in a grim, dark setting is pretty difficult. Yeah. There was nothing in this book that made me go, oh, no. I, you know, there were moments where I thought of the uh, demonic incursion on, uh, I can't remember what world it's called, but in the Iron Hands, um, Wrath of Iron, uh, mm-hmm. Battle Book. Yeah. Like that has people getting ripped apart and exploding from demons and people losing their minds at the sight of demons. And yeah. It's pretty gory and horrific. And none of the zombie bits felt any worse than that. You know what I mean? There wasn't yeah. much. The only bits that I could pull, the two things were death rate of main characters. People died all over the place. And I wouldn't say in unexpected ways, but in inglorious ways, mm. which is quite a horror thing. Um, and the trope of that like, ragtag band of survivors betraying each other, making new friends, all having slightly different backgrounds and skills. Um, that kind of fits the horror trope. But other than that, like you say, this could... It could just be a normal be, book. It's just a black right. library book. Yeah, because because if you if um I think what it's what what was different or what because I read I read um the Imperium of Man, and I think the difference between this and the Imperium of Man is it has a lot more presence of Space Marines. Like I think because this is happening to normal people, yeah, like normal humans, maybe it's more horror esque because there isn't. I always find with the Space Marine books, it's more just overt. Walk it all. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they 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 fight plague yeah, zombies yeah, yeah, yeah. in that book, and they literally yeah. just. They fight them like normal people. Yeah, yeah. But like in this, it's it's especially on on that kind of world where it is the underhive. There is lots of weird stuff going on. Mm. Like I think it makes it more horror esque. Yeah. I, I, I think my expectations going into it was more slasher, more demon kind of horror. Whereas this is just zombies, and I, I like zombies. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. zombies are one of my favorite. Um, not genres, but favorite kind yeah, of yeah. like I like playing zombie games. Zombie, yeah. Like watching zombie movies but this is just like oh cool zombies <laughs> yeah which didn't play center stage throughout the story either not really um i mean the thing for me is there were more moments in the night lord trilogy where they're skinning people alive and stuff like that yeah that was more horrific to read than this book yeah i think this book would go up 10 levels if it was an audio drama yeah, with have different voices, and, sound. Yeah, yeah, and you'd yeah. suddenly like you know you'd hear the squelching of someone being eaten and screams and muffled sounds and the crowd running. It would make it more engaging. You'd be yeah. so much more engaged as an audible experience. Um, I think it's far better because those sounds and soundtracks are actually the things that stick with people when they talk about horrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the characters, of course, but it's also the iconic music that goes with certain killers or certain genres or yeah. movie series that yeah. you hear and you go you instantly know what's kind of happening maybe we're just not made for horror books yeah maybe. yeah and that right. was my worry going into it and and do you think that's because like modern cinema like horror books so like frankenstein when it first came out was was terrifying for people yeah like the same for the way that my mom talks about the exorcist and she first saw that yeah. because it was the first of his kind like just desensitized. Now, are we because of slashers, because of like zombie movies, are we desensitized to the fact zombies are terrifying? Very possibly. I mean, again, if you just take Black Library, I've read more horrific Black Library books yeah. than that aren't labelled as horror compared to this horror. Yeah, yeah. Other than this being a setting of zombies, I guess it gets horror. But that's the only le- like you know what I mean. 
Yeah. yeah. It wasn't. Should we move on to two cool moments? Because yeah. I feel like we're circling around yeah. the same yeah. thing. Yeah. No, I think I think you are correct. Um. So for me, the bar fight holding out against the horde and behind mean, the mesh. You mean the fight in the Winchester? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Um. That was a, a fun pit. Um. I found it quite hard to think of a second one, which I think kind of. I like something out. So mine was the same. Mine was the fight in the Winchester. Oh, okay, cool. Um, however, the second one was probably the way that they, more so how they made um, the precinct happen. Yeah. So like, for me, I, I always picture like Ju- Judge Dredd-esque, um, the oh, movie, yeah. not big, the comics, because I'm, I'm not that cool. <laughs> um, but like that kind of style of like brutish, um, brute style building. Mm. And I think the, the way they talked about running around this, this precinct yeah. um, or escaping into the tunnels, etc. like that kind of picture for me was really cool. Yeah, like, they did um, that very well, like, I think, yeah. Oh, what is it called? There's like, is it barbarism? Is that the word? Anyway, but like that kind of like brute style, concrete poured like building, I really liked. Fair I wasn't really a fan of the, the, um, the cult part. It kind of felt like... The divine or yeah. the mechanical ones? I didn't like the, the, the mechanical ones. The divine... Because it was, it kind of felt like underground church. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was, and but, they but just they clearly weren't new, and they were like seizing power. Yeah. yeah. Because of the chaos, and there's no enforcers, so yeah, we yeah. can be the enforcers. Yes. And we can seize the power, but it didn't didn't build up to much. Which again, fine, futile people, good and bad, are futile and insignificant. Yeah. So I didn't mind that, and it worked as a good foil for the Mechanicum. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't like the book. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, zombies, meh, whatever. Have we read a book that we like yet? Yes. Yeah, we haven't had one for a little while, but that's because we chose <laughs> to do crime first. I love the crime. The book. crime one was okay. It was fine. Yeah, you two didn't really like. Well, you didn't like Hell's Reach. It's I wasn't book. as much. So of boring. You really struggled with the characters. I didn't oh, mind it. It wasn't top of my list, but it was okay. I never wanted a character to die as much as I wanted Crabs to die. <laughs> Maybe we should put them in this book. Mm. Um, so, selfless act by Christo towards the end when he goes to... He's, he's, he's screamed that by Karina to save Celeste. Yeah. Um, I, was like, I can't save her, but I can adventure. Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of, you get that awesome, yeah, he's a hero yeah, yeah. kind of feeling, which is ultimately undone. Um and then I think the escape to the roof at the end of the precinct section. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. the broker kind of just goes, oh, I've got this ultimate weapon, I better use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Like big beam weapon. Which is a one, one and done job. Um, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. And that's just after Karata's locked them in the hallway yeah. to the roof because they're getting on a flyer. Yeah. I quite like that. That would probably be my second one, the, the whole demise of Falcom and Karata. Just the getting shot down and Falcom being so sure. Just offer him money, just offer him money, and they just shoot their, their flyer down. And then he's like screaming for Karata to help him, but he realises I can get away because the zombies will eat this guy. So he runs off, but then he finds himself trapped and then takes his own life. Yeah. And you're like, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in terms of final thoughts of the book, overall, I thought it was fine. I think that's possibly the worst recommendation you can give to a book. I felt this was a 40k version of Shaun of the Dead. 
Like, okay. It just every bit of this book, I was just picturing Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. That's funny. Like, I think it would have been better if it was Shaun of the Dead. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Again, with most books, it, for me, it, it was okay. It was a good read. It was interesting. Would I necessarily go and buy, rush out and buy another horror book from Forty K? Probably not. But I thought, as a like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a lit- literary scholar. I can't even say it, let alone be it. Um, so I, I find I take a lot of these books on face value. Like, it entertained me for the 10 hours the book was or whatever. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it was the worst thing I've ever read. Like, That's what I mean. It was fine. And we've had plenty of things to discuss. So actually, maybe my, my um, final thoughts are a little bit off. My thoughts were, you know, if a book's good, then you love it. If it's bad, you know not to read it again. This was just fine. I, I would you know say I, mean? I would say people should read it, like maybe borrow a copy. <laughs> but yeah. I think people yeah. should read it because I think it as a it's a different style of book from Forty K, which is like the crime. This I felt the same way about the crime. It was a really good way of doing. I think crime fits in better with Forty K in like the underhive yeah. horror. I think if it, I'd be interested to read one of the fantasy horror ones. Um, because I think it, it lends itself much better to the likes of vampire counts, to the likes of the undead, to the likes yeah. of... I, I, I feel like it's probably got more of a basis there. And if you look on the current books that are for sale from Black Library, the majority of them are... Yeah. Maybe they're getting better reactions from them. I think it fits more, right? You've yeah. got vampires. You've got undead. You've got... Like, I think the problem is 40K is so horrific yeah, yeah. that it's hard to write a horror based in that genre. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I just think with, um, oh, what's it called? Master, not Master of Mankind. Um, the, the other, the Gilliman book, which also had horror, it also had zombies in it. Yeah. I, it had zombies in it. So what's the difference between that book and this book? I didn't find this one more horrific. Yeah. There was nothing that made my stomach turn. There wasn't yeah. anything that made me go, oh, that was gruesome. I mean, Celest- Celestia being set on fire and screaming in a cage. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty dark, you know? Yeah. That was probably one of the darkest moments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah indeed. Um, Did you enjoy it, Neil? But that was about it. Zombies. Meh. I like zombies. Zombies <laughs> are cool. Zombies are boring now. Zombies are cool. No. I just think They're back just to like, Call of Duty. They've Call of kind Duty of been a bit yeah. overdone. It's just like... But I can't imagine them. How would they do anything else? Like in, in horror and 40K, how would they do anything else? I mean, Tyranids. Tyranids, uh, do you know what? If any of the 40k horror books come out and they're Tyranids, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. Because like, um, it's enough of a hook. Or a Gene Steeler Cult. Demons. Yeah, Gene Steeler Cult. Kind of thing you could easily got. turn up the horror of a Gene Steeler Cult. Like, mm. We read the Death Watch book, didn't we? Yeah. And that was, you know, not horrific. No, but, but there were potentially horrific elements in it. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Like, the guy gets his head crushed or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like I say, I think the most horrific 40k book I've read was in the Night Lords trilogy mm. where they're like doing the, sc- the scream and the skinning pits yeah. and torturing people and you know the assassin who gets acid spat in her face and she's like screaming gurgling while it melts away and it was really descriptive and I was like this is pretty horrific so I think what we're saying then is meh Warhammer's already or 40k is already quite horrific so is there really a place for a horror genre that yeah. isn't every other book like I think without very good writing and very specific scenarios, no. But I, I think don't... you can choose certain things like having a singular demon hunting down a inquisitor to wear his skin to 
do some chaotic badness and it's just him and the demon trapped in a fortress it's scary who wrote wrote this i don't know actually Um, i can't remember let me find out Um, it'll be interesting to figure out if they're actually are like a major crime writer nick kime oh so 40k i think isn't he or does he write outside of black library some of them write lots outside and some are just black library writers, aren't they? Crime. So he's done a lot of Salamander He's the Sally stuff. guy, yeah. Yeah, writes a lot of Salamander stuff. I don't see anything other, other crime stuff. Not really. Outside, he seems to only write 40k. Like, yeah. or, or 30k, like black yeah. library stuff. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Anyway, cool. Right. Um, we're not telling people the next book club? No, we're not entirely sure when it is because we have an event that we're going to be covering and that kind of knocks our schedule a bit out and the last few months have knocked our schedule all over the place. So rather than tell you what the next book is and it be 10 months or 5 months or whatever, um, when, once we know definitely and we've got a bit of a solid plan, we will let you know. But right now, we're, we're not entirely sure. Um, Sam will be leading it because I led this one. Sure. Um, but we will see. Yeah, sounds fun. Mm. Right, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with our final segment. No, the end of the show? Closing the show. End of the show show. End of the show <laughs> show. The tendrils of the warp are far-reaching and communicating using the great social media anonymicon. Do I, what's that? Do I have to say that? Yeah, it's a keeper, anonymicon. Anonymicon. Anyway, it's apparently never been easier. Reach out and connect. Find them on the Adeptus Terror podcast page on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash the Adeptus Terror podcast. And the Adeptus Terror Podcast Community Safe Room Facebook group, www.facebook.com forward slash TATP Safe Room. You can also connect to them on Instagram to see some of what they get up to in between episodes at the Adeptus Terror Podcast. Give these losers a break and please give them a like and a follow. Thanks, guys. Sorry, my screen might be over the top of that. That's fine. We'll cut it and edit. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, this is the end of the show. Thank you for getting this far. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, a few things to go over. The next Hangout date, um, if you're listening to this on release, uh, July 31st. Um, if not, it'll be August the 21st. Um, that's a little bit early than normal because uh, everyone's away on the 28th. So we're moving it a week earlier. You'll see a Facebook event for that after the 31st of July. Um, that'll go out in, uh, in August for August. Um, our poll reminder is there are no more polls. The Warpstorm poll has rested um, and we will have a new Oath of Moment coming to you next episode. Um, and lastly, just what we're expecting to be working on. Alphas. Definitely going to get 2K done in a month. Nice. I'm planning on finalizing my heresy lists um, so I know what I need to buy and kind of price that up and work out what, when, how, um, as well as continue work on the board. I, I, I kind of can't stall anymore. I need to get, get on it. So uh, that is the goal. Cool. I'll be working on the board. Cool. Indeed. 
Awesome. That was very nice and succinct. Succinct. Um, so, yes, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Sorry for missing last month, just life and things. Um, we will see you for episode 94 in August. Uh, but until that time, I've been Matt. I've been Sam. I've been Neil. And this has been the Adeptus Terror podcast. Bye. Sure. Zombies are cool. Thanks for listening to another successfully recorded episode of the Adeptus Terror podcast. Join the conversation on the Adeptus Terror podcast community safe room on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at the Adeptus Terror podcast or email at the Adeptus Terror podcast at gmail.com if you just want to chat to Matt. Thanks again. <laughs>